Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BetUS.com or call 800-729-3887. That's 800-729-BETUS. BetUS for 125% bonuses with promo code JONES22. Customer service pros are ready to get your phone and social and online sports betting kickoff started now. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. You can also use the promo code JONES22 with crypto for a 200% bonus. That's BetUS.com. Man, ladies and gentlemen, do another edition of the Jones Report. Time for Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Zach Fisher, Des Moines reporter for Who TV. We will get Zach's thoughts on the Super Bowl. He got to cover the Olympic trials in Omaha, Nebraska, a few months ago for curling. And so we'll get some insights on the U.S. Olympic curling team. We'll also talk some. Big 12 in Kansas hoops with Zach when he stops by coming up later on. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, as well as our Tom Fullery story of the week at the end of the show as well. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, what a big week it is. It is Super Bowl week, and we'll have a complete breakdown of the game in uh, just a moment. But it's also NBA trade deadline day. And some big news there with James Harden and Ben Simmons in a blockbuster deal as we see Simmons headed to the Nets and Harden headed to the Sixers. We'll have more on that. And, you know, we're a week away from Daytona. We're going to have what we call our best week ever here at Studio Soapbox next week, which we'll be promoting all next week when we get ready for that. And the Olympics are going on as well. College hoops. Great time right now as We get towards March Madness a few more weeks away. Plenty going on as uh, we uh, will break it all down as much as we can on today's show, Tom. Yeah, I mean, the trade deadline going on right now as we speak. Um, I mean, at the time of this recording, the Harden trade happened, what, 30 minutes ago. Uh, So trade deadline in full effect. Uh, Obviously, the Super Bowl is coming up this weekend. It's uh, it's jam packed. I'm I'm um, f5ing for sure my computer, or I guess essentially refreshing my phone pretty much every second here. Right. I don't have time for these Olympics right now. You know, I mean, Tom, doesn't it? Does it get any weirder than the two man lose? I would not do that with you. No offense. Uh, I'd only do it with you if I knew we had a shot to win and we were going to get some big money out of it. Um, you know, the Olympics, I don't know about you, Jones. It just doesn't really do it for me, right? No. You know what? You know what? Like, screw if it's not basketball, right? I, mean, I, I don't like to be that guy. I don't mind curling, but I haven't watched an, a, a single second of the Olympics, to be honest with you. And if it's not basketball, so be it. I wish we would direct our efforts, us being the United States, into actually getting into the World Cup. That is exciting. I'll watch like when the World Cup goes on, I'll watch every game. Right. You know, like that's that is exciting. Well, I mean, the knockout round that is, you know, I don't necessarily care about all of the qualifying games. Right. 
plus the I US. used to love the Olympics growing up, in particular the summer games, but these Winter Olympics just don't do it for me. And no crowd there and such. And, and not to mention it's in Beijing, China, the same country that was responsible for giving us COVID-19 and getting us in this pandemic. The lab, the Wuhan lab that created COVID-19 and got us in this mess. And it's supposed to be the world's responsibility to help them put on a good Olympic Games. I'm just not interested. I'm just not interested in helping out such a grotesque country like China is and the damage that they've done in this world. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, to, to allow that to happen in, in places where it shouldn't, you know, there, we, there needs to be a better contingency plan to not let, you know, countries like China host uh, when all, you know, you know, the inhumane stuff's going on in China and, and, everything that's happening um you know it's they got to figure it out uh i don't know i don't know where you even i don't even know how you do that right i don't right. You know like i'm glad the athletes still get the opportunity most of them this is the only chance they'll get to be on this stage and such let them be but the fact that we allowed this thing to happen in china is just absurd to me that china gets to be celebrated when you know, they they are responsible for the deaths of millions of people nationwide with this pandemic, among other things, is just absurd, you know, and uh, I can't believe it. But with that big week, it is for you, particularly, Tom, as a Rams fan, getting ready for Super Bowl Sunday. Has it hit you yet that the uh, Rams are going for this world title here on Sunday night? Uh, yeah, and you know what? I was honestly excited, more excited in 2018 because I wasn't expecting it you know at the beginning of the season uh we had Stafford it was you know for me and I can probably speak for several Rams fans it was you know Super Bowl or bust this season right there was no we put all the chips on the table we've traded our first like our next first round pick for the Rams I think it's supposed to be it's probably like a sixth grader or seventh grader at this point uh maybe not but it feels like that um you know, but it's it's been working out. We go out and we get, you know, Von Miller and OBJ, and they've been, you know, super important in the Super Bowl run. Um, so, you know, for me, I'm not near as excited because I've, I feel like I expected this, right? Um, in 2018, it was we were more so like where the Cincinnati Bengals are at right now, right? Kind of still up and coming, figuring it out. We had Jared Goff. Uh, you know, some controversy in the Saints game, and holy shit, we're in the Super Bowl. Now it's just like after we, you know, I said we, I, you know, I know you hate when I say we, but I'm, I, the Rams are every bit in my blood as the Spurs and Oklahoma State are. Um, just because I maybe, maybe even the most because of how bad the Rams have been in my lifetime. Uh, I've endured for this, so I, I feel a right to say we. Um, and I'm now the king of Tampa Bay. So, you know, this run, I feel like I somewhat expected. Um, didn't think we were going to get past Green Bay uh, if that was going to be the case. Obviously, the 49ers won that game, and that, you know, Rams 49ers game was a pretty good one. Um, but now I, I think this is the time to put the, you know, the nail in the Super Bowl coffin. You got to win this one. Um, so I'm more so not necessarily excited. I'm uh, more 
very anxious. You know, we don't want to, you know, I don't want to lose to the Bengals, right? If we played the Chiefs, we lose the Chiefs. Well, that's, you know, a good team. And the Bengals are a good team, too. Obviously, they made it the Super Bowl. Uh, but it just – it feels like this is the Rams' year. You know, you're not facing Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Right. No disrespect to the Bengals. And certainly they have had a great run, but it still feels like they don't belong here, right, that they're the odd kids at the table. I mean, before this season, in my lifetime, the Bengals had never even won a playoff game. And just two years ago, they had the number one overall pick. But that – goes back to more credit that they deserve for getting to this point for all these circumstances that they've been through to get here this quickly. That's why I say it's no disrespect because that they have defied all those odds. I mean, you look at that Bengals offensive line all year long, we have laughed at them and said how bad they are. And that the Bengals didn't deserve Joe Burrow because they weren't even protecting Joe Burrow and how many sacks they gave up more than anybody in the NFL. The Bengals are not supposed to be here, but they are. And it's got that almost weird team of destiny feel to it where on paper, you look at this matchup, the Rams are the more talented team. There's the superior team here in about every way, except maybe the quarterback position. But there's just something weird going on with this Bengals team. The chemistry that they have figured out, the way that they've played here, all the momentum that they're riding. I don't want to hear from people that say momentum is not a real thing. If you don't believe in momentum, you probably didn't play sports at a high level. I mean, realistically. Or or you haven't watched the March, you haven't watched March Madness or any sort of playoff run. Right. I mean, there's just something going on with this Bengals team. Everything points to that this should be the Rams' night, but you can't count out a team that has something clicking, that's been finding ways to win. That's the other thing with this Bengals team. Look at these playoff games, right? They haven't been winning by blowout margins. I mean, they got by the Raiders. They squeaked it out against the Titans when their quarterback got sacked nine times. And it wasn't pretty, but it was a win, 19-16. They were down by double digits against the Chiefs and came back to win that game in overtime. I mean, they are winning in unconventional ways. You're not supposed to do what the Bengals are doing, and that's a dangerous predicament for any team facing them in this type of circumstance. The Rams, everything is in their favor. The Rams have everything to lose in this game. The Bengals are have nothing to lose in this game. It, it, it It's amazing to see how that is. You know, I think as fans, we say nothing to lose. Obviously, I think, you know, and, and they asked, they pretty much asked Joe Burrow. I'll have to, I'd have to find it, to be honest. But I did see a clip where they pretty much asked Joe Burrow, hey, listen, you guys are kind of playing with house money here, right? And Joe Burrow was like, no, nah, uh-uh. You know, and, and, you know, that's what he's supposed to say. Sure, I'm sure deep in the depths of his subconscious, he's thinking, holy shit, how did I get to the Super Bowl here with this offensive line, you know? Right. Uh, I mean, it's it's our perception that's the difference. I mean, I mean, here, here's what I mean by that, okay? If Stafford doesn't get it done, the narrative is going to be about there's Stafford again, not getting it done, everything was there, 
he came up short. Joe Burrow loses, then we say, you know what? It's year two. Hell of a run. He's going to be back. With Stafford, it's if not now, when. With Burrow, it's okay, we know you'll be back. I mean, that's where the no, where in a sense, the Rams have nothing, have everything to lose, and the Bengals don't have anything to lose here. I think that's where it comes together. Yeah, I think so. And, and you're right about that. I mean, Stafford will obviously be back next year, but they have so many players. You know, Von Miller, he could, he's probably headed back to Denver, maybe. I have no clue actually on that. But OBJ seems like he wants to stick around. Um, you know, Andrew Whitworth, I'm sure they win the Super Bowl. He's, he's going to retire, especially that he beats his old team in the Bengals. He's, he's on his way out. Um, rightfully so. He's had a great career. So the Rams, you know, Les Snead and Sean McVay, they've done a great job filling holes. They've made trades. They've been aggressive when needed um, to get this ship in the right direction um, and to be competitive year in and year out. And I think they'll be fine. But this is, you know, you mentioned it. This is it. Like, okay, we've done the things we need to do. You know, this is the final test. Go out and win it. You know, this, you know, one more. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Von Miller, you know, Stafford Cup, OBJ. Um you know, you, you got to do it. You, you know, this is, you know, if to me, if the Rams lose this Super Bowl to the Bengals, no discredit to the Bengals either. If they lose this, the, the season's a waste, you know, and you'll find other fans that say, no, no, if we, you know, if we blow this and we lose, this season's not a waste. We still made it to the Super Bowl. You know, we're still a great team. We'll be back next year. Absolutely not. I disagree with that. And, and, well, and here's oh, why you're right that, on that. Let me back up your point. Here's why Tom's right on this, folks. It's because of what the Rams have done to invest into this year specifically with the Von Miller trade, bringing Eric Weddle out of the woodshed, giving up all those picks for their future. It was all about right now, the present, getting OBJ in, all the moves that they made were for such a time as this that they're in right now. It's not about the Rams are not setting themselves for a dynasty here. This is not a situation where the Rams have said, we made all these moves because we expect to be the top team in the NFC the next five, six years. It's all about this year, maybe next year, but that's why it's win or bust for the Rams right now, because of the way they've set this thing up. The Bengals you know, they're building for the future. Everyone has said that they are a year ahead of where they're supposed to be. You know, they're going to contend and be a good team and continue to get better for the next several years. You can't say that about the Rams at this point, that everything is set for the present. Yeah, I mean, that's you're exactly right. There's no way that that this isn't a, a, a buy-all-in um, type guy. You know, it's um, one of those things where it's, you know, you've you've done what you needed to do. You've made the right moves and it's now time to put the puzzle together and complete it. Um, you know, I, I know, the you know, and, you know, cherry on top of all this whipped cream, cherry and nuts all together on top of this Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, it's in your home stadium. It's in SoFi Stadium. You're playing in front of you. You're playing for your city. Uh, and while I grew up a St. Louis Rams fan, it's time to put on for L.A. Uh, you know, you're in your home state, you're in your home city, you're in your own stadium. It's time to win it.
Yeah. Yeah. The matchup that is going to be the most intriguing is got to be that offensive line of the Bengals versus the defensive line of the Rams. Now, you go to the Titans game a few weeks back when the Bengals gave up nine sacks. The Titans defensive line is one of the best in football. I mean, and they gave the Bengals all they could handle. And yet the Bengals still won. The very next week, the Bengals face another good defensive line in the Chiefs. And what did the Bengals do to adjust so well? They got involved in the screen and the short passing game. Getting Joe Mixon out on those bubble screens and you know, being effective that way. Just trying to get the ball out quickly here. As this has gone along, the Bengals have gotten better in figuring that out. This will be a tough test. And you know, we, we talked about, Tom, how well Zach Taylor adjusted at halftime against the Chiefs and that they were able to kick it in gear and get things going for that second half uh, against uh, the Chiefs there. For me, I'm looking at this in Zach Taylor's case. That can't happen again this week. If Aaron Donald and company are firing on all cylinders, they just get off to a hot start and wreak havoc and the Rams are up, you know, 14 points at halftime of this game, they won't come back this time. I mean, the the Rams, that defensive line is just another step up from the Titans and the Chiefs and all those other teams here. They won't let that happen. If the Bengals are going to have a chance in this, they are going to have to be in contention at halftime. This game cannot be a come-from-behind situation here for the Bengals to have a chance. It's, you know, I, I heard this from all the, the experts this week. If this game's a blowout, the Rams win. The Bengals, there's no scenario, none, where the Bengals win in a blowout here. The Rams are the only team that could blow out somebody here. And that happens if the Bengals get off to a slow start, they have to at least be hanging there when at halftime comes around. Right. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned the Titans game um, for them, and that was such a low scoring affair. Granted the Bengals weren't at home, uh, but Nashville, you know, the Titans, it's not like their stadium's loud and hell, they went an arrowhead the next week and won. So, right. you know, take out the crowd noise, whatever. It doesn't supposedly doesn't matter to the Bengals, but you know, they pull out, a win against Tennessee. Uh, I mean, hell, you can even say they pull out a win against the Raiders, obviously. I mean, that, that couple controversial calls. We're not even talking about the Raiders. or We're not even talking about the Bengals being here. I'm not taking that away from the Bengals because I thought they played a pretty good game, you know, above all else. But, um, you know, it's it's they can't do that again. Um, and obviously, maybe I'm a little bit of a homer here, but the Rams are going to get to Joe Burrow. And if the line doesn't figure something out for the Bengals, then the Rams are going to eat Joe Burrow alive. The Titans, look what the Titans did. If the Titans had the Rams offense, there's no way the Bengals win that game. Um, I just – I don't think – you know, the Chiefs defense, not bad. I mean, hell, Chief, what was the score at halftime? I, I don't want to bring back painful memories, but what was the Chiefs-Bengals score at half? Oh, they were up – the Chiefs were up like 14. Right. So, yeah, it was like, what, 24-10? Yeah, and it could have been more if they would have uh, gotten points at the end of the half there, like they should have. Right, and so I don't think the Rams – if the Rams get ahead, I said this, and they let the 49ers come back in week 18. Um, but in the Super Bowl, there's no way that if the Rams get up like the Chiefs were, 
there's no way that defense allows them because how many sacks did the the Chiefs get on Joe Burrow? Like one or two? Just one. Yeah, so I I put money down. The Rams are getting more than one sack on Joe Burrow. Right, it's going to happen. Uh, Raheem Morris, I think, is at this point better than better than Spags, and I I think he is obviously has more to work with. I mean, obviously, when you have Aaron Donald, you can run a bunch of different schemes. Um, so, you know, as long as, to me, this is how it feels like, and I don't want to jinx it. I'll knock on wood. You can hear it. Um, I think if the Rams go out and play how they've played the entire playoffs, if, if they bring the pressure and Raheem Morris is no, you know, he wasn't born last night in terms of bringing the blitz. If they get to Joe Burrow, like I think they will, uh, the Rams have a very good chance to, I think, win this game by 14 points or more. I don't think it's the Super Bowl, though. So really, you take the 14, you shave it in half. And I, I think the, I, I wouldn't be a fool to say the Rams are going to win by at least a touchdown. The line is four. Um, I'm leaning towards the Rams cover, uh, winning but not covering because this entire playoffs from the divisional round on, every game's been close within three, two points. I have no reason to think this won't be close with the track record of things have been at at this point. So I, I like my pick. I like the Rams to win. I think it's uh, – like a 30 to 27 win for the Rams. That's what I'm looking at. What's your official prediction, Tom? I'm going to say Rams 30, Bengals. Um, I'm going to give them 23 or 24. Okay. So you like the Rams to win and cover. Yeah. Six or seven points. You know, I, I, I think I'll say 30 to 24. To me, if you're trying to look at individual things, that could be the, the difference in this. I want to point to what I told you before the Chiefs game and something that will resurface again. The Bengals will go as far as Eli Apple takes them. Eli Apple, we told you, is like Dan Sorensen 2.0. When he plays well, look out. When he's bad, he's bad. And... When you look at this Bengals team, Eli Apple's going to be put on, you know, either Cup or OBJ. And if he can get a turnover and, you know, avoid the big play to some extent, and this Rams offense is too good, you are going to give up big plays from time to time. If Eli Apple can play to his potential, that's the thing about Eli Apple is the talents there. It's just not the consistency that shows up with Eli Apple there. If Eli Apple has a big night, if I'm the Bengals, I'm feeling pretty good about your chances here because you know the offense is going to find a way to put up points. It's a matter of how much can you stop the Rams. And if Eli Apple plays well, I think the Bengals should be in good shape. To me, that's kind of the the guy, the individual, if you're watching for, that would be it for me. How well Eli Apple plays will determine the Bengals' chances of winning this game. Yeah, I think I, I I think I somewhat agree with that. I mean, you would assume that Eli Apple would be probably put on Cooper Cup, and it's already been said that Jalen Ramsey wants the Jamar Chase assignment. Who's going to get – who's getting more yards? If you had to put like – think of it as like a prop bet. Are you thinking Cooper Cup gets more receiving yards? you think Jamar Chase is? Oh, I put my money on Cup every time. I mean, triple crown – that's, you know, I think you can only stop Cup 
so much, right? The the route is incredible. I love Jamar Chase, but in this type of game, I mean, it's clear Cup has the easier matchup, and he's better in the short passing game, in the slot and such, and getting, uh, you know, those those easy first downs. Chase is more of a deep threat, and maybe the yards pile up where you get you know a few bombs to chase that way, but. I like Cup's effectiveness in this matchup and be able to get, you know, uh, you know, those the, those short passing game yardage better than I do Chase in that sense. Yeah, I think so too. And and it'll be interesting how I'll be I'll be very interested to see what Raheem Morris does. Because I think they're gonna cue on that. I don't think it's a, a problem for the Rams, maybe to stop the run in this case. They went, you know, they obviously committed full on to stop the run in the NFC Championship game, and it worked out just enough for them to, you know, make – I mean, they made Jimmy Garoppolo throw when, you know, it didn't work for the 49ers. And they should have done that in the other two games. They should have committed all out, stopped the run, made Jimmy Garoppolo beat them. Now this defense is this, – this Rams defense is made for this, right? Bengals aren't necessarily a run-heavy team. I would say probably 60-40 pass, maybe higher. You know, Mixon can run. Samaje P. Ryan can run. I mean, they have the guys in the backfield. Uh, but when that offensive line is that horrendous, uh, you know, it's I don't I don't think it's going to matter a whole lot. This this defense for the Rams is made to stop the pass. They want you to throw, try and throw the ball. Eric Weddle is going to have the green dot. Um, for those who don't know, that's the communication device. So he's going to be leading the defense in terms of that. Um, read a lot of things about Eric Weddle and how he's just like at the Rams facility like 18 hours a day um just studying and studying and studying and so to have that guy Eric Weddle who is kind of regarded as one of the smarter players of all time in terms of football IQ uh going up against Joe Burrow while I think he's on the upper echelon of younger quarterbacks in terms of intelligence um I mean, it's going to be Eric Weddle on the on the comm device versus Joe Burrow and what kind of magic he can pull out. Um, I'm not saying the Rams are going to go in there and just absolutely kick the shit out of the Bengals. Um, but I do think the Bengals will have to play at the Rams' pace. I do think the Rams are going to dictate uh, how this game will be played. We're going to have more Super Bowl discussion when Coach Bo and Zach Fisher join us coming up later on in the show. But – Last thing on this, Tom, I got to know, any traditions or superstitions as a Rams fan of some sorts? I know we're getting together for the big game Sunday. Uh, I know the Chiefs aren't in it, but are you making the Andy Reid mac and cheese or whatever? What's uh, what's it look like for you as, a, as a, a Rams fan with your team in it Sunday afternoon? You know, I don't know if I'll make the, the Andy Reid mac just because the Chiefs aren't in it. Um, and not to mention it's super expensive to make. There's not really an L.A. food, right? There's not a there's not a food I dictate towards the Rams. Um, I guess you could probably say it's pizza, uh, just because that is somewhat of a Sunday tradition, watching the Rams play and ordering a pizza. But Which Rams uh, jersey do you pull out Sunday? Well, you know, to be honest, I only have the Ramsey 20 jersey, and I have an old Jared Goff jersey. So it's going to be – going to be the Ramsey slash Eric Weddle jersey that's going on. I did try to get and yours is a number 20. Did you get uh did you get pissed when Jalen changed his number? No, just because that jersey's from Amy Smith. So what's 25 bucks, right? 
Okay. So I did contact our friends at Amy Smith and, uh, she told me that the factory workers were out on holiday for a couple of days, I'm guessing due to the Lunar New Year. So it wouldn't get there in time uh, or it wouldn't have got here in time because I was going for the Cooper Cup. Um, but, you know, why change it if it's broke? You know, I've worn it for the Cardinals game, the obviously in Tampa Bay and uh, last week in, or two weeks ago against the 49ers. So uh, I think you got to keep keep going with what you're wearing. That's my superstition. You can ask Billy about that. I do the same thing for Oklahoma state games where I'll wear the same clothing to every game. And it might not be the full get up. It might be like, uh, you know, this past year for OSU, it was, um, I wore the same socks every game, uh, a pair of orange socks or a pair of socks, uh, with an orange on them and warm every game. Um, well, you know, for every game. Obviously, I didn't go to every game, but I, I tried. But um, so I don't really have any of those Rams superstitions necessarily. Um, you know, last last time we got together and the Rams played, I broke out the bullet bourbon. Um, and I did that all year for Oklahoma State. And I also did that for the, this playoff run for the Rams. So probably we'll be drinking bullet bourbon before the game. Just that's probably my own superstition. Um, but you know, it's only weird if it doesn't work. Right. Exactly. I love it. We'll uh, move on. Let's talk NBA trade deadline. As we're taping this, the uh, news came out that the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets have pulled off a big deal that sends James Harden to Philadelphia and Ben Simmons to Brooklyn and some of the details of the deal. Uh, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks uh, are headed to Brooklyn. Well, James Harden uh, will – actually, that's that's headed to Brooklyn. And James Harden goes to Philly in in the process uh, with the way this deal goes down. And, you know, what I wonder – some of my big questions, obviously the, the Kyrie Irving thing frustrated everybody with the Brooklyn Nets, you know, franchise. That was obvious, but Durant and Harden played together in Oklahoma city. Durant recruits Harden to Brooklyn and he made a point to be there. There's gotta be more to this than just Kyrie that went down I want to know there had to be a rift of some sorts between Harden and Durant there's something that we don't know about here right Tom yeah maybe so I don't you know I don't know exactly what it is I you know I mean hell Katie's hurt right now so um you know I don't know what might have happened or if you know James Harden bleep me here James Harden is that baby back bitch though he always had kind of has been you know he was fine I'm not believing you for saying bitch Sorry. Oh, I mean, you know, if you know, if you're, you know, anybody listening, if your feeling gets hurt and you are a James Harden fan, then you know this show ain't for you. Um, but you know, James Harden's always just been a crybaby, right? I feel like, and this is, you know, I dislike James Harden. He's on my dislike NBA players list. Yeah. Uh, for a while, my top was Draymond Green and Zaza Pachulia for obvious reasons. Draymond, you know, he hasn't really been a fool lately, so I don't blame – you know, I don't necessarily dislike him anymore. 
James Harden though is because he always just cry. He's just always a crybaby, and so and you know, rumors came out that he didn't want to formally request a trade from the Nets because he was scared of what the media would say. And we all know he's in the background bitching and complaining about right. whatever bitching and complaining about. He bitched and complained to left leave the Rockets. Don't blame him there because the Rockets weren't. You know they tried and tried again and it just nothing was working. They couldn't get past. Uh, the second round, essentially, you know, they could never get over the hill. So obviously it wasn't working there. I don't blame him for that. You go and make this huge super team in the nets. You have Kyrie, KD, and then they put players like Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Patty Mills, uh, several others around you. There's no reason you, you, uh, you know, can't succeed doing that. I mean, they should have been able to win without Kyrie even. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, you know, uh, is it Steve Nash that he didn't get along with? You know, and there was rumors that came out that Steve Nash said, we're not trading James Harden. Well, you know, if he's going to, you know, do his crybaby stuff, then, it, you know, what else do you get for him? You know, the, you know, the Phillips, Philadelphia is ready and willing to trade Ben Simmons. You know, they were asking for a high price throughout the entire season. There's right. rumors Simmons was going to go to the Spurs, and but the asking price was ridiculous for a player who is just as much of a crybaby bitch like Harden is. Um, I mean, so, look at Harden's track record, right? I mean, I'm not going to count the Oklahoma City situation because that's just as much unprecedented as it is anybody else. But it didn't work with Dwight Howard. It didn't work with Chris Paul. It didn't work with Russell Westbrook. And now it didn't work with Kevin Durant. Who can Harden work with at this point then? I mean, I get what he goes back to, you know, he goes to Philly with Daryl Morey again. Um, You know, I'm guessing that's why he probably wanted to go to Philly. Um, And that's, you know, I don't know. They don't have a bad team, right? Um, He can be the main scorer there besides Embiid. Right. Uh, You know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, as much as Joel Embiid, trolls and i mean as much trash that joel Embiid talks i mean I, some of it i think is all in good fun right for joel Embiid, he seems like the class clown uh and but some of it though is is uh is i wouldn't call it violent but it, it's um you know intentful sure. you know he you know uh who's to say that the james harden goes and him and joel Embiid have a disagreement and I don't know, Joel Embiid grabs him by the throat. I don't. I mean, not, you know, figuratively speaking, I guess. But maybe. Uh, I mean, I'm taking Joel Embiid in a fight over James Harden any day, but um, I think most people would. But who's to say that? That's two big personalities in Philly. It's never worked in Philly, ever. Right. Um, so, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think well, for Philly, this moves the needle a great deal because Ben Simmons wasn't even playing. I right. think this is a decent trade for both both sides here if James Harden was going to be a crybaby and not make it work. But at the same time, I don't think either team is winning the championship no. from these moves that he's made, they made. I don't even think either team with these moves are winning the Eastern Conference. I'd still take the Bucs as the team to beat. I mean, you look at this Brooklyn experiment here. They only played 16 games together, Durant, Harden, and Kyrie. They went 13-3 and three in that stretch. And this was so short-lived. I mean, you know, Kevin Durant 
he goes to Golden State, right? And, you know, wins those titles, but nobody respected those titles. And so he goes off to Brooklyn to try to do his own version of what was done in Golden State's. And this is the end result. I mean, unless they make some dramatic moves in the offseason, which could happen. I mean, who knows? But at this point in time, Kevin Durant will not win a championship in Brooklyn. And I think this is going to be a funny part of this legacy, this story that is Kevin Durant, that he couldn't get it done in Oklahoma City, has to, you know, ride on Steph Curry's coattails to get it done in, in Golden State. And then when he tried to do his own thing, he couldn't get it done here. I mean, to me, yes, this trade is about Harden and Ben Simmons here, but the story that will be Katie's legacy is all over this trade of, of that he could not make this work. I think there's some responsibility that falls on Kevin Durant here. I mean, yeah. I mean, granted, the injuries happen, and I get that. But, you know, for KD, when – what is, you know, in all this, if this doesn't work out for the Nets, um, you know, if the Nets underperform like I think they will, what's the next chapter for Kevin Durant? What's the next chapter for Steve Nash? What's the next chapter for that whole franchise of this little experiment fails? You know, the Kyrie, I'm not going to get the Vax. I'm not going to play. I'm going to set out. I'm going to be a drama queen too. And, what you know all that Kyrie brings, the crazy flat earth shit. Um, you know, what is the, like, if this fails for the Nets in Brooklyn, like, if they don't, I, I, I don't know. This seems like, for me, the way they went about acquiring all these pieces seemed like the same way the Rams did it. I mean, the Rams, I don't want to compare them to Brooklyn Nets, but, and, you know, you kind of make a super team. You get the pieces you need to win now. If they don't win, I think it's going to set back the Nets, you know, like bef- like right after they were, after they traded the whole farm uh, to, to Boston. Right. I mean, they could go from irrelevance to relevance and then straight back into the pits of hell of the NBA um, here in two seasons. Yeah, it's uh, it's hilarious to me. I, I love it all. And, and uh, you know, Ben Simmons – that's a whole nother story. We mentioned the drama around James Harden and you know, Kyrie Irving and all this. Ben Simmons, it was made clear in the offseason this past year that the fan base didn't want Ben Simmons anymore. That the team didn't want Ben Simmons anymore. And with that, Ben Simmons then fired back at the Sixers and made it known that, you know, he didn't want to be there and he was refusing to play and such. And, and I mean, you go back to his LSU days and such. I mean, Ben has always been a problem of some sorts and the guy can't shoot. And now you go to this uh, Brooklyn team. I think that, you know, you'll have him be your main point guard, probably play Kyrie at shooting guard. And then, you know, play uh, Kevin Durant at three, but I I don't see how this gets any better for Brooklyn. I mean, you know, yes, you did get, you did get a, an all-star piece getting rid of Harden here, but that's a lot of your offense that's gone with Harden out of there now. And KD, we know his injury history and such here. And I mean, Simmons, 
he feels like he's Kyrie light in a sense. You know, I mean, Kyrie's got, you know, his things going on and the things he stirs up, but Ben Simmons is younger and does almost the same stuff. I feel like this is going to blow up on the nets too, eventually. Yeah, I think so. You know, we'll see what the Ben Simmons experiment and how that continues. If he plays, I mean, he hasn't, I can't remember the last time Ben Simmons has played in a game. I mean, it was last season, I'm sure. But it, it's, it feels like it's been over a year. Um, so, you know, sure, you can stay in basketball shape, you know, working out and shooting in the gym. But, you know, if you haven't played in so long, I, I don't I don't even know where the Nets are right now in the rankings. I mean, they are, I'll tell you here in a second, they are – in eighth place, they would they're they're shooting, vying for a playing game right now with Charlotte and Atlanta. I yeah. guess you get to Boston too, but Boston's top of that. Um, you know, and, and right now Charlotte's not playing too bad. Um, speaking of trades, Charlotte just got Montrezl Harold. Uh, they were looking for a defensive big, and it looks like they've got one. Uh, Atlanta obviously is dangerous. We saw the run they made last year in the postseason. I mean, if the Brooklyn Nets miss the playoffs, uh, this is not going to be good. Um, if you're a Brooklyn fan, that is. For me, I'll feel bad for Patty Mills, but I won't feel bad for anybody else on that roster. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know for the Nets how much this moves the needle. I mean, you do get two first-round picks from Philly um, along with some other pieces. But, I mean, they had the players, right? You think Seth Curry's going to make a bit of a damn difference? No. Uh, you know, you think Andre Drummond is going to move the needle for them, even if Ben Simmons plays? No. I mean, they already had the players they needed, and they still couldn't get it done. I, I sure Steve Nash is shitting his pants right now. And in terms of, well, I guess he's not. I mean, he has made all this money, so he doesn't really care. But if you want to keep that job, I'm sure you're like, oh man, we got to make something work. I mean, they need to have a come-to-Jesus meeting in Brooklyn. Right. Man. Yeah, there's some problems there uh, for sure. I don't see I don't see either one of these teams uh, winning, you know, anything this year significant uh, at this point. And, and uh, these trades, you know, big names and such, but in the end, uh, not going to get either one of these teams to where they want to go, I think, uh, as far as that goes. Uh, other trades uh, that have gone on. Uh, Sabonis is out in Indiana. What'd you make of that move, uh, Tom? You know, it seems like Indiana's kind of blowing it up. I don't, I'm surprised that Miles Turner for them has not moved. It doesn't seem like there's there's as we record this, there's 26 minutes left till the trade deadline, um, and they haven't. You know, they got I believe they got Buddy Hill back, and there was talks about moving Buddy Hill. There's you know a lot of people said that. Larry Bird and the Pacers were not done. Um, I haven't seen too many other moves for them um, in terms of Indiana. Um, you know, you have C.J. McCollum going to the Pelicans, and Portland is finally blowing it up. you got to feel bad for, for Dame. Right. You also have Derek White from the Spurs going to Boston um, for Josh Richardson, Romeo Lankford, and a un, seems like what's an unprotect, unprotected first round pick in this next year's draft. Um, so it seems like the Spurs might be blown on up. They traded Thad Young, who has re, rode the bench all season, to the Raptors for 
uh, Goran Drogic and a first-round pick. So now the Spurs have three first-round picks in this next um, up, upcoming this summer. So I, I don't know if Sam Presti just flew back to San Antonio to, to you know, wheel and deal, uh, but it seems like the Spurs are kind of blowing it up, obviously besides DeJounte Murray. Um, this has been a crazy, pretty decently crazy trade, trade deadline so far, and, and we still have 30 minutes left. Yeah. Um, one team uh, that is trying to figure out their future, the Lakers, have been a hot mess this year. It's been highly entertaining for Laker haters like Tom and I to see all this unfold like it has. Um, I'll always be a Russell Westbrook fan, even with him playing for the the evil empire, the, the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm still always going to root for Russ. Um, but, you know, Russ has not played well. I mean, plain and simple. You know, he's averaging about 18 points, shooting around 40%, but uh, it's just not working what's gone on. And I would say this, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about them trading Russell Westbrook, potentially making a move before the deadline, and maybe they make a move as uh, we're finishing up recording this, and if, we, if they do, we'll react. But, Tom, for me, one thing that they haven't really done a whole lot of that I think they should consider, I know that NBA – players treat when they're not starting when they get moved to the second team as a demotion of some sorts but you look at how much LeBron and AD need the ball in that first unit put Russell Westbrook let him do his thing be Russell Westbrook unleash with that second unit and then put him with the star players in crunch time that's the move for me I would put more on Frank Vogel for not trying to find alternatives to make this work rather than blaming everything on Russell Westbrook. A lot of Laker fans and, you know, the, the, the Laker nation are trying to make Russell Westbrook the scapegoat, but they knew exactly what they were getting into bringing Russell Westbrook in. They just need to find different ways to make this work. And I blame Frank Vogel more than anybody for not making it work and for the Lakers to be in the position that they're in right now. I mean, yeah, for sure. And and you think about it, too. Uh, they've tried to trade Taylor Horton Tucker in about every little trade package that I can think of. They've tried to make moves, and, and not a whole lot of people are, you know, they're trying to get too much for what they actually have. Uh, it doesn't seem like Russell Westbrook will be moved. It, that's it's, I think I agree with you. I think it would be a really good idea for Russell Westbrook to, to be in charge of the second team. I don't know how he would react to that. I think he still thinks he's the best player in the world. Um, you know, and he's lost a step that, or he needs to go see Dr. Sharon from Ted Lasso, uh, one of the two, but you know, I, I don't necessarily like how they're trying to make him the scapegoat because he's an easy target, um, just because of his personality and his, his explosive play, uh, you know, you're either getting real good Russell or real bad Russell. Um, and in LA, I don't think it's just, it's not working out. Um, so, you know, I personally enjoy seeing the Lakers, you know, just fall apart and not be anything. But uh, there's not a whole lot of time, I don't think. Um, not a whole lot of time for Frank Vogel and not a whole lot of time for that franchise in terms of a window. Sure, you got the bubble championship, uh, but the Lakers are not going to – like with this roster, they're, you know, five years ago this team would be incredible. Um but it's not five years ago. It's 2022. And uh, the Lakers are right now, you know, 
an afterthought, really. Uh, the Lakers, I don't let's let's go back to the board. Uh, Kenny, let's go back to the board. Uh, where are they placed right now? Are they in like ninth place? They're in ninth. And New Orleans, you know, New Orleans just got some key pieces. They got CJ McCollum. They're right behind them. Right now, they're going to be in the play-in with, by God, somehow the Minnesota Timberwolves are the seventh seed. Um, the Clippers, the Lakers, and New Orleans would be the play-in. Real quick uh, on CJ, by the way. Um, that breakup with him and Dame was bound to happen at some point. It was a matter of who was going to go. Yeah, who was going to be first. Right. You send him to New Orleans. Zion finally has a partner. We know Zion's not very happy there in New Orleans. Uh, this should stop the bleeding a little bit, but I still feel like Zion's counting down how much time he has left on that contract before he can get out of it. Yeah, I think so, too, and maybe they're trying to reverse it. I mean, hell, you got Brandon Brandon Ingram, and he's played fairly well. I thought he was right there uh, with LaMelo and DeJounte to be an all-star, um, really. I mean, he's he does it in every, you know, game in and game out. You pair up Ingram, McCollum, and Zion, that team's not going to win you a championship, but you're going to be in the middle of a pack Western Conference team. Um, you know, I think you'd be at least succeed there with that squad. Um, everybody at full health. And, you know, they can add some other key pieces too um, and, and figure it out. So that will be interesting going forward. You know, CJ McCollum, not obviously not bad. I mean, he can bust threes. How good is it too late for CJ McCollum? I mean, he's not obviously the CJ McCollum of old. Um, he's a little bit older now. I, I don't. I think for New Orleans, they're going to have to figure it out quick on how they're going to have to have a contingency plan set up or they're going to be, you know, mixing smoothies in that Smoothie King Center for nobody in the crowd. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be interesting. There's a lot of new storylines, too. That's what I love about the trade deadline in the NBA. You don't really see as much craziness in the NFL. Maybe the MLB a little bit. Right. And, you know, I don't follow NHL that much to know anything about the trade deadline, if I'm honest with you. But um, NBA, free agency in the NBA and the trade deadline in the NBA is like no other sport. Oh, and it's I, incredible. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, a lot of fun for sure. And it adds a breath of fresh air, new life to the NBA season. By the way, um, one more note on the NBA, and then we'll move on and bring in Zach Fisher here. I got to tell you, I was at the Thunder game the other night, Tom, when they were taking on the Raptors. SGA was out, and I understand the Thunder are tanking and all this. But there was probably no more than 5,000 people there. I mean, like, that was embarrassing. I love the Thunder, and I think the fan base is great. But I did not realize that we had such fair-weather fans in Oklahoma City these days. I mean, it was – to give you perspective, remember – how that place, the Paycom Center or whatever they call it now, uh, you know, the Ford Center, Oklahoma City Arena, it's had like a million different names. That place was known at one point as Loud City. The loudest they got for that game I was at on Wednesday night, Tom, was for the T-shirt cannon. I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, I. this sounds terrible um, on my end of being a fan, but it's kind of like, you know, Oklahoma State this year, I watched these Oklahoma State basketball games, and it's hard for me to get excited because I know even if they were good enough to make the NCAA tournament, they're, they're, they're just playing for pride at this point. And, you know, the Thunder, they're still 
you know, I don't know, three years away from being back in the playoffs, maybe longer. Um, all things considered, unless they land a, a top tier crazy right out of the blue, unless they land like a Banchero, um, you know, and they very well could. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it's still, a, it's a, you know, trust the process. Right. Uh, I like, I will tell you, I enjoy the cheap tickets because I will be going to see uh, Greg Popovich and the Spurs uh, versus this, you know, SGA list Thunder because he's injured um on wednesday night this upcoming week and i sitting right behind the spurs bench for like 150 bucks i sat lower level for five bucks oh right. uh, yeah you can't be oh it was great i loved it yeah i had a great time brought my dad we had a lot of fun yeah it was good so uh and the, the josh giddy kid i wasn't high on the draft pick but i gotta tell you he's impressed me i mean it's he, he's coming he is something else. He's coming around. He's a good all-around player. I mean, he does so many little things that you don't even see in the stat book. I mean, it's pretty impressive. I mean, it's Josh Giddy's world, and we're all just living in it at this point. So there you have it. That's uh, a look at the NBA trade deadline here on the Jones Support this week. Coming up next, Zach Fisher said to join us. Plus, we'll have Coach Post Football Fix, our Big 12 Breakdown, Tom Fulry Story of the Week, all that and more. Stay with us right here on the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week, I'm so glad to have this guy back on the program once again. It is uh, our old friend Zach Fisher, who is uh, doing TV in Des Moines now, and he is an alum of the great University of Kansas, and he joins us right now. Zach, welcome back. Good to hear from you. As always, what's going on in your world, man? Tyler, I like the uh, emphasis on the great University of Kansas. It, it is a great university. Not a whole lot, though, man. Uh, since the last time we chatted, on your podcast wise that we chatted obviously uh, off, off the recorder, off the recording, but yeah, you uh, came and visited me in Omaha a couple months ago. Yeah. 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 I was out there covering uh, uh, the curling trials uh, for the U S Olympics uh, men's and women's team. So that was fun, but uh, I'm up in Des Moines now from St. Joseph uh, doing morning news uh, covering uh, state politics, uh, Des Moines okay. uh, first, the state of Iowa, but Des Moines is the capital. So we got a lot of stuff going up uh, on here every day, Monday through Thursday, man. It, it's busy. It's fun. It's a, it's a different type of thing, but uh, it's a rush. It's a good time learning uh, a lot of good things and meeting a lot of good people doing it. So, you know, in my world, uh, a lot of stuff is new, but uh, you know, Tyler in journalism, it's just the same type of craziness, you know, it, it, it never ends. You just kind of roll with it, but uh, yeah, it's going good. And uh, since we last talked too, you're finally freed from Mike Zimmer. Are you hoping that you're freed from Kirk Cousins soon too? Tyler, my opinion about, this this is wild, and I'm, I'm surprised myself. My opinion about Kirk Cousins has shifted drastically over the last year and a half. Uh, you know, two years ago, his play at the beginning of the year uh, was terrible. I was like, get rid of him, let's go, rebuild, it's time to do it. Um, but now, getting rid of Zimmer and seeing Zimmer's demeanor shift, you know, this is a guy, I went to the Minneapolis Miracle game, I was up there with my dad, like, you know, I, I love Zimmer, I love his, his meaty defense, right, you know, his top right. five defense that he had there for three years or whatever, man, his demeanor uh, with him after the Packers game, it, it was just time for him to go. And Kirk is, is, is a consistent right now. So the way I look at it, his contract is terrible. I agree. His, his output <laughs> is not worth what we're putting in. Right. Um, but I just don't think there's a better option. Veteran wise. I don't know who's going to trade. I think Kirk's got a good trade value. His contract sure. doesn't, doesn't equal a good trade value though. So they'd either have to eat that. I don't think this quarterback draft class is, 
crazy good. I think it's a bunch of de- developmental guys like, uh, you know, Malik Willis. He could be a stud, but I think he needs a couple years. Sure. Anyway, long story short, my opinions flipped. I kind of want Kirk to stay and, uh, okay. you know, eat with Justin Jefferson with the unconfirmed head coach, Kevin O'Connell, unconfirmed, confirmed. I think that worked out well. He's got a year left. Maybe they draft a guy. You know, maybe Kellen Mond, you know, I don't know, yeah. I don't know what, what this staff thinks of him. We know what Zimmer thought of him. I, I think you saw that quote oh, yeah. or whatever. What, 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 what do you think of Kellen? Why don't you put him in? Uh, this is against the Packers, week 17 when uh, Kirk had COVID. You know, I see him in practice. <laughs> that was all he said. He doesn't need to see him on the field. But anyway, I kind of want Kirk to stay for the season at least. Okay, okay. Uh, that's interesting that uh, your opinion has uh, swayed that way with Kirk. Here's my problem with Kirk Cousins, okay? Ah. I mean – you're talking about a guy, the numbers are good. Yeah. I mean, you can't argue that. And I know that he struggled in primetime games and, and you know, hasn't been able to get the job done in the big moments and such, but I can't get over how terrible of a leader he is. I mean, he is the first one to blame his teammates and, and you know, not take blame himself and such. Like, that's what I can't get over with, with Cousins is, mm-hmm. I mean, that guy just uh, – it's all – it's all everyone else's problem somehow. Mm-hmm. No, I hear you for sure. And, you know, it's even weird when he does take blame. It's like he he, he says it, he deflects, or it's, he eats, he bites the bullet really quick. And then he's talking in super, um, it, he's a general talk guy, right? He, he's yeah. a super positive general talk guy. You don't see him ever get really fired up. He's he's always happy. He's, he's a classic type dad, but he doesn't have really any, any, any grit to him whatsoever. So as a leader, and if it, that that's how he leads, because we don't really see how he does that in the locker room, but we're going to sure. assume that's the way he does. I don't know how guys can um, completely get behind that, but you know, I, I see quotes from like Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson had some stuff over at the Pro Bowl this last week talking about how he loves Kirk, great guy. If he, but the thing is, too, with it is they always say if he's still here with us or we still want him here with us, with whatever the coach and the GM decide. So there's obviously talk in the locker room about – Kirk might not be here there. So there's definitely talk like, you know, about moving forward or what does sure. the future look like without him? So I find that interesting too. So I'm not sure if that's their complete 100% opinion. I think that, that might be their PR opinion about Kirk. If you sure, will. sure. I mean, if you had a, you know, got him to, you know, a couple of drinks in, they'd probably all say he's a jackass, you know, and right, right, right. Want, but you know, they're going to tell you what they, what they want you to hear as far as that goes. So before we get into the too much, you know, Super Bowl and, and other things, uh, you brought up a good point that when you were in Omaha, you covered the bobsled trials that happened there, curling. The universe, or curling, rather. And the Olympics are going on right now. I'm not interested in these Olympics for a number of reasons, but are you watching the, the curling and, and all that now? Does this have you intrigued after seeing it in person? I, I thought it would, Tyler. Uh, Winter Olympics have never been my jam. It's not been ever what I've I've never wanted to watch the Winter Olympics. Uh, curling, I'll be, you know, you know, it was amazing to watch in person. It was really fun. The atmosphere was cool. People were having a great time. People were drunk watching it. I mean, they got all these clubs. But no, I really haven't been watching it. Um, there's not really specific reasons why I'm not watching it other than the Winter Olympics don't quite. I think it's because there's a lot of niche sports with it, right? They yes. have to, maybe you have to witness in person to really fall in love with or be involved with to fall in love with. But I think summer – um, is just way easier to watch. I think it's more relatable to people. Um, well, there's nothing going on. Like right now, yeah. we're in the middle of Super Bowl week, college basketball, the NBA. I don't have time to watch these Olympics. Yeah. No, it, it, there's a lot of good sports going on right now. 
Let's look at the trade deadline coming up uh, with the NBA today, actually. Um, Thursday for those uh, for watching later. But yeah, you know, uh, Winter Olympic-wise, haven't have been tuned in as much as I have been. Maybe, you know, young Zach Fisher, I'm watching him because of Sean White, and I want to see him hit the half pipe. That's about it, you know? Right. And, and you were probably doing your hair like Sean back in the day, too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You know, who was it, right? Or at least trying to grow it out before your mom told you to go get a haircut or whatever. Right. Now, uh, the curling, I've watched it from time to time, and I'm convinced, Zach, we could do this. We need – this is our way in to the Olympics in, you know, four years. You and I, we can start training right now. I think we can make the curling team. What do you think you uh, you would be? Would you be like a leader? Uh, and I can't remember his name. The anchor? The guy, oh, what what's that guy's name? And I, and I just covered him too. That's that's a sad thing. But the team that won gold, the men's team, uh, you know, are you the coach that's calling it all out? I mean, they all kind of rotate, right? They all do, whether it's um, sweeping or whether it's moving the puck. And that might not be the correct uh, terminology there. But you know, what what position would you be best at, Tyler? What do you think? Uh, so uh, it's a John uh, Schuster, right? Yep, Schuster. Yep, Schuster. Team Schuster. Yes, uh, I, I would be the – I think they call him the anchor. Is that what it's called? I think I would be that. I would want to – you know, I, I would want that role of of uh, the pressure on me. I'm not going to shy away <laughs> like Kirk Cousins, you know I mean? <laughs> I, I would take I would take on that challenge. You got that booming voice. You that anchors the guy that, you know, curl, 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 curl. Or, you know, level, right. he's calling it out. He's lining up every shot. I mean, it's super – you get late in these rounds too, Tyler. I don't realize this because you don't see it all on TV with commercial breaks. But I mean, they're they're down there on the um, in the target area and they're looking like, hey, where can we go to get inside? To, you know, to to knock out yellow or to, to knock out red. So we got three in or, or whatever. I mean, it's super um, strategy oriented, and I didn't realize that. So I guess you know maybe you're there in person with a lot of these Winter Olympic type sports, you'd realize how much passion's into it, and maybe people would care a little bit more. You just don't get that uh, a whole lot through the television. I mean, I feel like that playing shuffleboard at the bar has prepared me for to be an expert curler. Fair enough. Fair enough. My my grandpa uh, plays uh, played uh, cur- uh, you know, shuffleboard down in uh, Texas over the winter time. So I'm sure he's thought of uh, you know getting into curling in the Winter Olympics, but uh, maybe it's past his time. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, tell me this, Zach. Uh, you lived in Cincinnati at one point, right? Yeah. So, what's uh, the excitement levels for your uh, your people back there about this uh, this Super Bowl? Uh, you know, before before this year, they had never been able to even text about winning a playoff game ever before. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. I, I kind of related to being uh, from Kansas City with the Royals before they were good. You know, you'd wear your Royal stuff, but you weren't a crazy big into the Royals. It's the same thing it was in Cincinnati. They love their Bengals, but they knew they weren't going to be very good, right? You know, wild card right. team uh, at the best. Um, but you know, from people what they posted on social media and stuff like that, I mean, I mean, I can't, I can imagine it. Being from Kansas City, where you see the Royals and the Chiefs has this type of success, <clears throat> they're just enthralled. How cool is it too? They have such a young quarterback, such a good young receiving core too. I think we talk about Jamar Chase a lot, which he's a stud, but they got such a good core there too. Um, I mean, that you got such a Fun future ahead uh, for Cincinnati. Uh, Joe Burrow, man, good lord! I'm not. This makes some people mad. So I'm a Vikings fan, as we already talked about. Being right. from Kansas City, so I get a little frustrated sometimes, out of jealousy with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So sure. not that I cheer against them, but I like to see you know some some um, 
animosity on that sideline sure. uh, on, on that uh, you team you sideline. Chaos. You know. That's okay. Right, right. So I ordered a Joe Burrow jersey after after they beat the Chiefs. Oh, uh, Super Bowl jersey. It's still not going to be in here yet. I was hoping to ha- maybe I was going to wear it today, but uh, yeah, I don't know. So it's but, not showing it, up in time for the game, though. No, February twenty first, I guess. Right, I ordered it after the field goal was made in overtime uh, by McPherson. I'm not even kidding you. And uh, they well, said, you know. And there's a decent days. amount of Chiefs fans in Des Moines, so even yeah. if you didn't make it to Kansas City, you would have a good number of people piss off at that. Oh, right, exactly. No, uh, it, it actually Des Moines is kind of weird because you got a four-way split, right? Vikings, Packers, Bears, Chiefs, and I'd say it's mostly Bears and Chiefs. I'd say sure. Um, but yeah, no, you, you definitely get a lot of people that are are not happy with it. I mean, the Chiefs are going to be good. They're going to be good for a while, but. I just don't think something we expected, didn't expect with the Chiefs is how good these other AFC teams are going to be and how much of a gauntlet the AFC side is going to be for Mahomes and company every single year. I mean, you look at it too, okay? So the way the quarterbacks are shaped in the NFL right now, the the young guys, Burrow, uh, you know, Mahomes, uh, Herbert, in company, uh, you know, those guys are all AFC quarterbacks. The only young elite quarterback right now on the NFC is Kyler Murray. I mean, you know, you know, Aaron Rodgers potentially might be going to the AFC West, like we think he is more than likely mm-hmm. with Denver. And you look at Russell Wilson, if, if he moves on from Seattle, likely to an AFC team. I mean, all the great quarterbacks are, uh, are on the AFC side. I mean, there's, there's an opening for, uh, for an NFC quarterback to step up here for a while. I mean, it's going to be fun for the next few years seeing Mahomes and Burrow and Herbert and Josh Allen and these guys. Uh, you know, we, we, we've been talking about trying to find the next Brady and Manning. I don't think it's two guys, Zach. I think it's about four or five guys and almost all of them are in the AFC. I agree 100%. And if you think about it from this perspective too, back in the early 2000s, right, when you have Brady, when you have Roethlisberger, when you have Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, um, and I'm, I'm missing people too. But you have all oh, these Robert. guys firing. Drew Brees. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brees, yes, yeah. Rivers, all that stuff. You didn't know who was going to – who was the cream of the crop. Tom already had a couple couple Super Bowls at that time. But you didn't know out of that era, out of that generation, who's, how everything was going to shake out with, with everybody uh, being retired now too. So it's kind of a nice reset. It's super refreshing. And, man, these guys are good. These young guns, man, running, passing. It seems like they're better than that last generation we just mentioned. Um, just for their age and from where they are now to where those guys were in the early 2000s. Now, Zach, uh, you know, when, when I look at Joe Burrow uh, play, you know, the, the, the swagger this guy has, I mean, now, now you were, you were a frat guy. I feel like he is the ultimate fraternity brother. We all wish we had, right. Right. I mean, like Joe's going to get all the girls. He's going to get you in all the parties. Um, and, you know, he, he's just going to be a cool cat all the time. Like, I I want to be Joe Burrow someday. I don't know how this guy pulls it off. Tyler Jones, the uh, comparisons today, goodness. I li- he's that guy, you know, that you want when, when the last cup of uh, beer pong's there and you need yeah. somebody to make the shot. He's that guy, right? And he's going to make it every time. Or McPherson, I guess, uh, put it that way, uh, for if we're talking field goal kickers. But, yeah, no, Burrow, oh, my gosh, he's stone cold. You know, people are just enthralled with people who who know they're badass, but they just don't show it emotionally, like on their face. You know, they're stone cold. I mean, he he's got that 
he's got that it factor. He's basically everything I wished Kirk Cousins was. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's well said. Uh, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Now, now Cincinnati in Ohio, I mean, that is such a, a football state, but Ohio State has owned that state for some time now. Are, are you seeing from the people you know out there, is there – is there some bandwagon Bengal fans now? Maybe even some Brown fans have come over. Uh, what's what's that fan base like? You mentioned it; it was kind of kind of secretive of some sorts. You know, being Bengals fans is you know what people coming out of the woodwork now. And actually, so it's, it's kind of interesting with Ohio State. Everybody's an Ohio State fan in Cincinnati, but then it breaks off when you go to Cincinnati Bearcats or Xavier. Um, so you kind of get differences there. But I never saw any Browns fans down in Cincinnati. That was when they were really, really bad. They're still not great, but sure. that's, you know, in their, in their really bad era. Uh, but I'm sure the bandwagon is spreading throughout the state like madness. Keep in mind, too, Cincinnati is that bottom left corner of Ohio. So you're going to have people in, like, Lexington, Kentucky, North Kentucky, maybe the whole state of Kentucky being uh, yeah. borough fans or whatever, you know, from, from the SEC days. I've heard people like, say that Cincinnati is basically just in Kentucky. It, I mean, it is literally there's like seven bridges, nine bridges going into downtown. I mean, it's it's on the Ohio River right there. Um, so, yeah, you know, that whole region, the whole Midwest, I mean, the whole the United States right now. Right. Spread throughout the whole United States. I mean, who doesn't want to see the Bengals go out and beat the Los Angeles Rams? Who wants the uh, who wants the favorites to win in the Super Bowl? Right. You always want underdogs. This feels like a culture war of sorts, too. I mean, L.A., the Rams have embraced this since they left St. Louis, the whole West Coast idea and what they've done to build their team of you know, all these free agents and the trades they've made, not worrying about first-round picks, the Bengals, everything they've built from within, they don't spend a ton of money you know, on free agents and such, too. I mean, th- this feels like polar opposites that we're seeing when it comes to how they've gotten here at this point. I know. You know, it's – the Rams, too, you, you see it everywhere. I mean, they're all in, right? So at least they're making a couple couple Super Bowls while they're all in, trading these first-round picks, uh, going to get Von Miller, which what that was a second round, I believe. Fourth. OBJ, fourth, that's right, not even a second, yeah. And OBJ, too, who's been an extremely nice addition. Oh, my goodness. Um, producing for him, like, probably should have been for the Browns. He just needed to be comfortable. He needed – I think OBJ needed to be humbled a little bit with being yes. okay to be the wide receiver number two. And in Cleveland, he's like, no, I'm not wide receiver number two here. When at his age, he just he just needs to be, right? He's still athletic, but he just needs to be that that number two, solid number two guy. But yeah, you know, um, I don't know how people, you know, the, the trade and go, the, the slash and slice and trade and picks and everything. Uh, it's an interesting mindset, but you know, the Rams in five years from now, who knows what they're going to look like? You know, they, they might be completely terrible. So they better win their Super Bowls now. Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, as you mentioned it, uh, I think everybody's kind of on the Bengals side, but it's very two different approaches of how you get to the Super Bowl for sure. Team building wise. Yeah. Um, as a Vikings fan, you've seen a lot of Matt Stafford over the years when he was uh, in Detroit and such, uh, are you happy for Stafford to get this shot? What do you think of, uh, Stafford here, uh, you know, after all those years, uh, in Detroit? Oh my goodness. So just to pretense this, you get Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers as a Vikings fan. It's kind of those quarterbacks that never die, ne- never, you know, never quit type thing. Your yeah. team could be better than that year, but they're always in the game because of that guy. Stafford was that guy almost to the extreme, though, uh, with the Lions, with how bad their team was consistently. But, you know, the Lions would be one and five, the Vikings, you know, four and two or whatever it may be. But they're still within a touchdown or they're leading you by a touchdown going to the fourth quarter. And it's all because of him. 
you know, and, and him and his wife, uh, goodness, that's such a great story. But Washington for years in the NFC North, man, I, that dude is a go-getter. He's a playmaker. He's big time, uh, as everybody's known for years. So you cannot help uh, but to be happy for him. And actually, this is the case, too. In the Super Bowl, I'm happy with whoever wins. I'm never usually like that. I usually want one team to win. I want the Bengals to win. But either way, Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford, I'm ecstatic either way. Yeah. Now, you know, as, as KU guys, uh, you know, we would we would have to root for the Bengals with Hakeem and uh, Puka on uh, on that side for Cincinnati there. Right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Because well, is um, so get, I might, you know, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I didn't know this or not. But is Puka on the active roster? Or is he just practice squad for him? He's on the active roster. Yeah. OK, I got you. But that would be that would be amazing if they were able to do that. Puka too. talk about a guy, uh, you know, more deserving of that, uh, of being able to get a Super Bowl title, how cool that uh, would be for him. Uh, well, they switched positions on him. He's playing a slot receiver. Right. And I think he could, whatever they throw him at, he's one of those guys where you just put him wherever he just does it. He's kind of a smaller Debo Samuel, <laughs> you know, a less explosive, less developed, but he, he kind of fits that, uh, fits that ticket right there too. So maybe down the line, you know, we're, we're seeing Puka highlights uh, just like how Debo's used to, in San Francisco. So, you know, what's, what's funny is uh, about around a year ago this time, I actually was in Lawrence and I ran into uh, our, our great friend, David Beatty. And, uh, <laughs> oh, Beatty, he was reminding me when uh, this was right as Jamar Chase declared for the draft uh, uh-huh. officially and such. He, he said, well, you know, uh, you remember he was, uh, he was initially – committed to, to KU that I had brought, I'd got him to KU, but he ultimately decommitted. And, and I was just thinking now looking back to seeing both these guys in the Super Bowl, could you imagine Jamar Chase and Puka at KU? What could have been? Oh my gosh. No, and then what Les had to come in and say, no, you can't be a receiver, but Hey, it worked out better for him. I'll tell you what, I'm happy for Jamar that he went to LSU. He needed to go to LSU. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. But yeah, the, the irony of that though, too, the, Beatty, too, just getting, uh, you know, on that really quick. Beatty brought in some really talented players. Khalil Herbert, too, with the Bears. Oh, my goodness. He was putting up some good fantasy points uh, yeah. when uh, Montgomery was hurt for a couple games, too. I mean, there were some really quality NFL guys on that KU team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there were. I mean, Ryan Willis ended up having a, a good career at Virginia Tech. And, yeah. God. Did, did he sign somewhere? Or am I crazy? I think he played uh, like some USFL or something like that. He's, he's going to play one of those smaller leagues. He actually beat me my senior year uh, at Baser Linwood. He was Bishop uh, Miege. He beat me in my uh, uh, the uh, playoff, 4A state playoffs in Kansas. Oh, you, uh, you, you probably took a couple beatings from them over the years. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, I remember walking out at the beginning of the game. You see Willis just throwing ropes from sideline to sideline with, with ease, not even putting his hips into it or anything. So, you know, uh, they brought in some good quality guys. Um, so it's surprising that they just weren't able to, I don't know, add up the wins or whatever with that kind of talent. So what's Super Bowl Sunday look like for you? Are, are you a Super Bowl party guy or you you stay at home? I mean, what, what, what are you doing on game day? I usually am a Super Bowl party guy until, you know, get out of college and you start working, Tyler. So I got to work on Sunday, uh, actually, but I'll be out of here right when the Super Bowl starts. So I'll be watching on my couch, uh, on my couch, um, just hanging out, hanging out with uh, my dog, Bo. Okay. Um, just, just living it all up. And I used to be a Super Bowl party guy, and it's fun that way. But I also just like to sit there and enjoy it, though, too, because I just love watching any football that's on. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
and the Super Bowl for everybody, for every huge football fan like yourself too. I mean, you could just, every play feels so big. You know what I mean? Sure. Every drive feels so big. Um, so it's it's really fun, no matter if your team's in it or not. So I'll just be sitting there at home. But I'm usually, you know, got to throw a Super Bowl party though, right? If you can. So you what goes to. into a good Super Bowl party? You think? I know well, some people do like the squares game. I've never done that crap. Uh, you know, I, right. I usually just like to eat and watch the game. You know, not do you know and and get my betting done beforehand. You know, but I, I don't do those those you know square games. But what's a what's your Super Bowl party look like? What what goes into a good Super Bowl party? You gotta have wings, right? Okay. Yep. And, then, and then maybe too some type of flavor um, of let's say you know whatever team's in it. For example, like Cincinnati Skyline Chili. I don't know if you've heard of Skyline. Okay. Tell me about Skyline Chili. I've never had the Skyline yeah. Chili. I want to try so it. it. People are 50-50 on it, right? It's a super uh goodness. It's it's kind of a sweet chili in a sense. Okay. And it's, it's meant to not just be eaten as a chili. It's meant to be put on you know a hot dog, a cheese coney. Um, or this is going to sound weird too, spaghetti noodles with like cheese and, and onions and mustard. It's called a three-way, four-way, or a five-way. That's what okay, they call yeah. it. Yeah, I've had um, three-way chili. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it, it's it's meant to be eaten with things, not by itself. So if you're looking to eat chili just as chili, no. This isn't, you know, this isn't Campbell's, you know, chunky chili or whatever. This isn't chili your mom's making, but it's, it's like a spread. You know, you put it on things. So people are super 50-50 about it. I, I enjoy it a lot. I was in, I was a, uh, in love with it too. Um, when I was in fifth, sixth grade out there, so we'd be going to eat out there all the time uh, when I lived in Cincinnati. Um, but no, so I think that's a staple. You got to have that at the Super Bowl party, you know, Doritos because all the commercials and stuff and drink a choice as well. But I think wings are essential. And then pairing that with, you know, all the appetizers and something that resembles one of the cities that are, that are in the Super Bowl, right? So you know, here's that, what I did last year. Yeah. Uh, I had a couple of people over at my place and with my team, with the Chiefs playing in it, uh, I was able to get some Oklahoma Joe's barbecue. Uh, and I had Boulevard wheat ready to go. And, you know, a couple other drink options, too, and a few other snacks. But that was the main course was the Oklahoma Joe's barbecue and the Boulevard wheat. We had a great time, but, I mean, it didn't necessarily help our results, per se. I think you you did a great there with the barbecue, but uh, you got to when Kansas City is in it. Plus, you're going to have to be ordering that a lot, Tyler. Chiefs are going to be the Super Bowl for however many times in this next decade. Oh, my god. I don't goodness. know. Joe Burrow uh, might have yeah. something to say about that now. You know, I mean. It'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs work around when, when the Mahomes contract hits, by the way, too. Uh, you know, in a couple years from now. What are some – it's going to be super draft-oriented. Veach is going to have to – draft well um in the next couple of years too once that hits but they got Mahomes too he, he's a receiver maker we haven't seen it yet like with Rodgers but he's a receiver maker so yeah yeah we got a little bit of time left uh so I, I gotta ask you you uh you keeping up with uh the basketball squad with uh with our Hawks these days uh tight big 12 race going on right now. oh my goodness yeah that that uh, game against Texas I actually unfortunately didn't watch that it's probably about the only game I didn't watch this year um but man you know it's I don't know how to feel about these guys too. There's some, there's sometimes where I'm like, man, like against Baylor, I'm like, they can go beat any team. They can go win the national championship right now. And there's sometimes I'm like, man, we should be you know, 500 in the big 12. We should be halfway down these standings right now. Yeah. But I think that's a testament to how tough the big 12 is. Um, anyway, if they can get hot, they can get hot. I think that's kind of like what that 2019 team uh, down at the final four with Devonte and, uh, and company there. 
Um, I think it's kind of similar to that in terms of when they're clicking. Sure. Uh, you know, they can they can make a really nice run. Um, Brown, he's got to be consistent for us too. He's gonna be that guy in the future. I just want to see some more consistency. And down the stretch, like this is a perfect example against uh, Texas from what I was reading. You got to give your playmakers the ball. I mean, Ochai is a walking bucket. And from oh. the time that I covered the team too, one of the one of the sweetest kids to the media, always has a smile on his face, super genuine, Kansas City homegrown. Feed that man. Feed yeah. him. You'd feed Devontae. You'd feed Malik when he had that Big 12 tournament run. You'd feed those guys. Feed Ochai when you're in trouble. He's the guy that bails you out. Feed him. Oh, yeah. I mean, as long as I've been watching Kansas basketball, uh, Zach, I can't think of a better pure scorer to step foot on campus than Ochai Abaji. That's how good he is of a scorer, and it feels like he's still not even getting enough shots. Mm-hmm. No, I, 100% I agree. He makes it look so na- – like, oh, my goodness, how natural is that three shot? I mean, it's right. it looks like he's not even thinking about it, and it speaks to it too. What He's like a top 12 projected draft pick right now in mock drafts. I know it varies week to week, day to day, but you don't see those older guys in that high of a, of a lottery pick. So I think that speaks to – how a lot of uh, how, how uh, smooth he is, right, with it, um, and, and how much potential he has, and how much he's grown in the last three years too. Um, but yeah, uh, he's probably—I think you said it best—he's probably one of the smoothest playmakers, scores that the Jayhawks have ever had, or at least in recent memory. That's for sure. To me, it's so obvious watching this team what the biggest problem is, and I see it every time that they're struggling. It's the inside presence of can't defend the post, whether it's, uh, you know, McCormick or Mitch or whoever. I mean, if you got a big man, you got a pretty good shot to beat this Kansas team. And when I look ahead to the tournament, if they luck out and don't have to play any big teams, final four, by all means, great. If they play a team in the second round, like what we saw of that USC team last year or the Auburn team the year before, you know, a couple of years ago, I mean, they could be home by the end of the first weekend. I mean, you, you can – they're going to have to get lucky with these matchups. I mean, we, we say that every year, but, I mean, it's pretty clear as day what it looks like for, for me. I don't know what you think, but, I mean, it, it seems pretty obvious to, to me, Zach. What do you think? Uh, you know, I think you're, uh, you're exactly right. And when you said that, you know, getting bounced in the second round against an Auburn team like that, too, you, you kind of give me flashbacks, too, because you can kind of see the com- comparison – we have some young guys and in, in some in some key roles that might not be hitting when, when they need to be. I guess Quentin Grimes wasn't really hitting all that year. Uh, but man, like I just said, going back to what I said at the beginning, talking about KU hoops, if they're if they're clicking on all cylinders and they're able to defend the post well and they're and they're hitting their threes, man, they could beat about anybody. Um, and it comes down to you know it comes down to Big Dave, which is a kind of a scary thing to say. I thought he'd develop a little better. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think they can make a good run, but I just, I'm not quite as confident as I have been about, uh, past teams. They, they definitely have the ability. They have the experience too, with all these transfers, but yeah. man, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm like 50, 50 on it, you know? Right. I feel you. I feel you. Zach, uh, we got to run before we go, uh, plug away. Where's the easiest way for people to find you and see all you're doing? Man? Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Twitter's going to be at Zach Fisher News. Um, and then uh, Instagram's going to be Zachary C. Fisher. Got to get the full name for that. 
trying to think of what else. Uh, that's about it. Hit my Twitter up. I'm tweeting up a lot about uh, Vikings football, KU hoops, and a lot about uh, Iowa politics nowadays since uh, we're in the legislative season. It's just going to heat up now, too. Caucuses, by the way, once the uh, next presidential election starts up, uh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a fun run here. Too. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you're you're a big J now, you know, yeah. I mean, you've earned that <laughs> status. And, you know, just I'll join you now, Tyler. <laughs> Just think a couple of years ago, I mean, you and I were, were sitting in the, you know, the halls of the University of Kansas, and now we're, we're verified Big J's. So there we, go. there we go. The rest of the world, you know, I mean, you can take that for what it's worth. You know, we're, we're here to dominate and uh, take, take some names. So I love it. Zach, uh, appreciate the time as always, my friend. Glad to see you doing so well. Best of luck uh, there in uh, Des Moines and continue to crush it, my friend. We'll be talking down the line. Thanks for joining us. All right, Tyler, thank you. Hey, horns down. All right, always. There's a story <laughs> there we'll have to share one day about that. Appreciate you. That's Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also, reach out to Bo by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com. That's brian with a Y, .oconnor at lpl.com. And O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook as well. Coach Bo joins us right now, the host of the Coach Bo Knows podcast, out each and every Monday and Friday on all your podcast platforms. Bo, how are we doing? Hey, we're doing great today, Tyler. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good to see you a couple of days ago in uh, good old Lawrence, Kansas. And uh we uh, got to see a nice uh, KU win Saturday, so that was a plus. And uh, back in a business this week, what's going on with you? Man, just we're just working away, plugging away here at O'Connor Advisor Group. And uh, right now we're working on uh, insurance has been a big thing. We're talking, doing a lot of insurance work. Uh, people, if you need help with your life insurance, disability, I always like to say the one asset that everybody has, the biggest one we have is our ability to earn an income. And we want to help protect that. That's something we can do. And we've got a, a great partner that we work with, the insurance partners in Kansas City, and they can get us with a lot of different companies to protect you no matter what you do for a living. So really been interesting. We're working on a big case right now for an entertainer, and uh, which is really hard to do, but we've got something special for that person. And then we do a lot of stuff with just like your normal, like, you know, your, your hammer guys. You know, it's, I get to call them hammer guys. It's your plumbers, your your roofers, your those guys. We can help you out. And I won't talk to all those guys, so... Yeah. Oh, dot com for more information there. Bo, it is Super Bowl week and yeah. the matchup, the Bengals and the Rams coming up on Sunday afternoon. Before we get to the game itself, I got to know what's uh, what's game day look like for you? Is there certain snacks you got to eat? Any uh, any games that you got to have going on through the game what, what's, what's we're your not going to have a we're not having a party or anything we're going to have uh you know the family so be me and the wife uh i think the kiddo will be home i'm not sure what he's working yet uh i got one buddy who's going to be in town from colorado and kind of a, a, a surprise deal he's gonna be in town so he's gonna come over and hang out we're gonna make some wings we do we do the wings we do the queso dip you know stuff like that you know you kind of snackier kind of food that you eat throughout um, but yeah, not having a party, we don't go, you know, just incredibly ape, shit, but uh, we will. Uh, I got this feeling that between now and, and Sunday, things are going to change, and I'm going to end up with like 10 or 12 people at my house. 
you know, I'm of the belief, Bo. I think Super Bowl parties are kind of overrated, to be honest. I think so, too. I don't like them because I don't like um, having the party and having like having like hosting the party. I don't like it because you want to entertain people. You want to be nice and, and you know, people in your home. And you want to make sure that everybody's happy. But at the same time, I want to watch the game. Right. And, and you get people chatting good. in the background, causing noise. And you're like, I want to hear what these guys are saying. Now, yeah. for you, you might not want to hear Chris Collinsworth. You might rather talk to somebody in the game. I'm not a big Chris Collinsworth guy, but you got to have the volume up because you also have the uh, commercials. And everybody wants to see the commercials. See, I don't think the commercials are even that great. Well, we've already seen a couple of them have already leaked out online, you know, and I, it's just about getting that brand name out in a big way. I mean, I get it. I get why they're doing it. You know, we saw the Amazon ones already out with Scarlett Johansson and Colin, Colin Jost. Um, there'll be a new Caesars one with Peyton Manning and, and JB Smooth and uh, Halle Berry, I'm sure. And there's a couple other I've already seen like previews of that are already. We're probably going to see that DraftKings girl again, like we have all season for like the ten thousandth time. <laughs> we'll see something. It'll be interesting. I, I, I get it. It's not like it used to be, but uh, you right. know, like when I was a kid, you know, those the, you always had like the really really good Bud Light commercials or the Budweiser commercials, those kind of things. Those you don't see as much now, but it's about being funny and being memorable. The best Super Bowl commercial of all time is still the Mean Joe Green Coke commercial. Let me think. It's a good one. It's very good. It's really up near the top. Uh, you know, I, I like the Budweiser, the frogs back in the day. The Budweiser frogs is one of my favorite ones. And then they had, there was like a 10 or 15 year period where Budweiser every year had a good one. Yeah. Whether it was the frogs or the was up guys or something, or the cowboy guy who's at the uh, at the bar and, and he's you know, the nicest guy in the world. It's like, like the mob bar. And they go, How you doing? And they go, How you doing? And he's like, uh, The guys are going, the guys say, Well, how you doing? And he goes, I'm doing fine. You know, I just got into town. Place is so lovely. It's stuff like that. I mean, I, I like those kind of things. I think it's, oh, there's, there's cool stuff like that. Remember the point in time when, like, the, the Danica Patrick GoDaddy commercials weren't even getting on TV? Yeah. Yeah, there was a time where it was uh, – those were too racy. And too racy, was... yeah. Um, I remember a Kim Kardashian Carl's Jr. commercial, and I'm like, okay. you know, I, I'll... That Kim Car- I remember a Paris Hilton. All of a sudden, I had an urge to go eat Carl's Jr. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's some good ones out there, and there's some not so good ones. I, yeah, and there'll always be, and then we'll see a whole bunch of articles and a whole bunch of stuff out there on Monday on what was the good commercials and the bad commercials. I remember a couple of years ago, Gronk and Brady had an ad rejected. Really? It was like for T-Mobile. Hmm. They made some jokes at the league's expense, and it got oh. old. So. I can kind of see that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like. Uh, I think it'll be fun. I think I, I enjoy Super Bowl. I enjoy the commercial parts of it too. I usually check those out. There's always a movie, always a couple of movie trailers that get thrown in there. I think we'll see um, the movie trailers for the Batman movie. Um, surely one of the Marvel movies will be out. And they'll have a new, a new commercial at the Super Bowl this year. So. 
I don't. I haven't seen any list of anything. I'm just, yeah. I don't Halftime show. I have good expectations for. Yes, I think everybody in the country who's my age, there's like it's all around TikTok and everything right now. People are saying, "Wait, you see your parents now? Your parents who are like people who are in their forties, like me, their kids are going to see a whole different side of them when it when it when this Super Bowl uh, halftime comes out. This is going to be really good. I think. Remember after the Janet Jackson nipple gate, the first few halftime shows the next few years were like all these old school bands. They yeah. were trying to avoid incident. And yeah. then like the last probably decade, they've gone back to, okay, we're going to go with some heavy yeah. hitters. Well, I'm like, I think that they've got, you know, people will always say, oh, that one kind of sucks or that's overrated. And I'm like, look, it's a hard thing to do to go out there for like 10 minutes and entertain 10, 10, 10 12 minutes. And I like the like the last year of the weekend was great. I think I got super talented. I'm not a huge fan of his music, but I think he's really talented. Um, this one will be really good. This is the one that I think that Dr. Dre, Snoop, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar. That's even adding Kendrick Lamar, it's kind of he's kind of not on brand with the rest of them as far as the age of them. Right. But uh, you know, that's that's a little nod to the younger people. But it's felt like new. Ice Cube got left out. He's an outlike guy. He belongs. Yeah, but he guy. isn't like with that crew of people. True. There's a reason it chose those four. And uh, well, I think it'll be really good. I, let's see. Look, if you're listening to this and you're under thirty, you're gonna see a whole different side of your parents during that piece. Well, I just hope that it's an announcement of a bigger tour. Okay. With those people. I don't think it is. I don't think there's gonna be anything like that. But. That would be incredible. I would go to that tour. I'd go to that concert. Do you remember your reaction to the Janet Jackson halftime show? Yeah, I didn't think that I I couldn't. I remember like Justin Timberlake and her, and the little thing he got ripped, and I was like, oh, that's a wow, okay. <laughs> like that's gonna be kind of crazy here in a little bit, and, but yeah, and they kind of they, they kind of covered as quickly as they could, and yeah. <laughs> was your wife watching next to you that night? I'm sure she was. We probably, I think we were at my dad's house. That's been a long time. I'm pretty sure that's back when we used to go to my dad's house every year for the Super Bowl. That's he almost 20 years ago now. Then we definitely would have been at my dad's house. Yeah, because he was still alive back then. Yeah. So, that's crazy. The yeah. game itself, the Bengals and the Rams, what stands out to you about the matchup right away? Um, I think this is a pretty even matchup, actually. I think that you look in the one thing people are going to talk about left and right is can the Bengals offensive line keep Burrow up? Cause you, you figure Donald and Miller and everybody are coming uh, and they will get to Burrow. There will, there will be sacks in this game. It will happen. Um, but I, I think there'll be a lot of comparisons to last year's game. People will say that you know, the Rams are going to play the role of the bucks from last year and that um, the offensive line, not being, not being good at all especially the right side of the offensive line from the Bengals, that's going to be compared to last year's Chiefs team. And I think the people are going to, a lot of the pundits are going to pick the Bengals, or pick the Rams in a knee-jerk reaction saying, well, they're not going to keep Burrow upright. I suspect that we'll see the Rams make some mistakes as well. I think this game's really close. What jumps out at me is there's just a lot of talent on both sides of the ball offensively. But it's going to be the battle of who plays better at quarterback. In the end, the quarterback who has the better game wins the game. Well, and Joe Burrow is the better quarterback here, but what we've seen from Matt Stafford is that 
on any given night, he can ball out and have a great night himself. Yes, that's true. He can. On any given night, Matt Stafford can throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns. It can happen. Um, I think there's also some thinking that, you know, that you attack the Bengals deep, you know, a lot of Cooper Cup and what's going to happen there. Um, I think the Bengals are going to do a lot of what they did in the second half against the Chiefs to the Rams. Um, And I think that it'll be about the adjustments between the first half and the second half. The Bengals cannot cannot afford to get too far behind. They can't get 14 down. I mean, the defense will be teeing off on them, on on Burrow then. But I do think that – I think it's a really good matchup. I think this is just – it's two teams, I think, that – want to kind of do some similar things offensively. They both want to get the big play. They're both going to use the run game to get there. And then they're going to try to be the, – the Rams have the better defense, but the Bengals' defense is really underrated. They get after it, and they get some uh, big plays in spots. I just think it's going to be an interesting game. I think this is going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be competitive all the way through. I think so. Uh, here's a question for you. Who is the best player on the field on Sunday? Is it Aaron Donald? Is it Jamar Chase? Joe Burrow? Uh, there, there's a number of guys that you can answer Donald. that question with. I think it's Donald. I think Donald is historically looking at it, the best football player in this game. The issue is, is that how many times can a defensive tackle or defensive end, he's kind of a hybrid of both, how many times can he affect the game? So that's where the better quarterback comes into play. You know, I think if you're saying better player, as good as Chase has been, I don't know that anyone thinks Chase is better, a better football player than Odell Beckham. Uh, Cooper Cup is in that same category. I mean, those three guys are all, you know, pretty much equal as far as talent. I, I think there's more upside potential for Chase. Uh, but I don't – I mean, right now, I mean, it'd be hard to say that Chase and Cup aren't about equal, especially with the big plays they both make. You know, and you have Beckham on the other side. Um, and you look at the quarterbacks. I mean, I think if I was going to rank it, I'd probably say it's Donald, Burrow, and then Jalen Ramsey. But, again, those two defensive players, they can't affect as many plays in volume. And I think that's the difference. Um, this it is if the game was going to be a blowout one way or the other, it would go the Rams' way because of the defense. But you asked the question: the best player on the field will be Aaron Donald. Who's a guy for each team that you think needs to step up in order to push their team over the edge? Give me one name of an X factor of sorts for both sides. For the Rams, is Cam Akers. Cam Akers is going to have to run the rock better than he has the last three games. Um, for the Bengals, uh, for the Bengals, I think it's Eli Apple, the corner. Mm-hmm. I think Eli Apple is going to have one of the best games of his career because he's going to be on either Cup or, or Beckham at, on every play. And they're going to throw it right at him. And they're going to throw it right at him. He's going to have to have a big game. And the big game doesn't mean he's going to have to have two picks. It means he's going to have to not let anything get behind him, and he's going to have to be an ample tackle. Eli Apple can tackle. He can flat-out tackle. He's just not a great cover. 
So if he keeps these guys in front of him, he gets a hand in, they don't call a penalty. If they don't call a penalty, you know, him getting there a little early sometimes, that's a big part of his game too is he gets called for too many holding calls. I think for the Bengals, that X-factor guy is on the defensive side with Eli Apple. When I look at this game, you know, I, I hate to use the word legacy, but whose career, I guess, could be the way we view them take a big jump the most, you think, out of this? To me, I look at a guy like Matt Stafford, case in point. If Matt Stafford's a Super Bowl champion by Sunday night, he's probably a Hall of Famer. Then. I 100% agree. It's definitely Matt Stafford. Um, if Matt Stafford wins this game, he gets in the Hall of Fame. I mean, that's it's the one thing he doesn't have. When, he has 5,000 passing yard seasons, a couple of them. He's been on just horribly bad teams. But it all goes away. All the negatives for Matt Stafford's career go away. If the first year he goes to the Rams, he wins the Super Bowl. It, it just, it just, it's like his resume becomes so much better. Um, you talk about it being legacy. It's hard to say that one game's about a legacy, but this is the Super Bowl. This isn't just the AFC divisional round, and it isn't the conference championship. This is a make it or break it legacy kind of game. And the people whose legacies will be made or ba- made or broken in this will be the two quarterbacks. The- if Stafford wins this game, he goes to the Hall of Fame. If Burrow wins, Burrow ascends to the elite stance. This uh, this game, the Rams have been in their own facilities all week long, the last you know two weeks, and you know going through every routine as if it is a home game. Uh, but of course, it's a league hosted event. They're going to try to try to anyway make it as neutral as possible. How much of an advantage is it for the Rams to? be in their own facilities to have a home game here, essentially. You want the funny answer or the real answer? Give it, give it to me straight. Okay. So the real answer is it's somewhat, somewhat of an advantage this week when you're sleeping in your own bed, all that good stuff. The funny answer is it ain't going to make any difference for the Bengals because they play in a shit place in Cincinnati anyway. <laughs> you know, they have terrible facilities anyway. So wherever they're practicing this week is better, nicer than what they got in Cincinnati. Um, that owner's so cheap. Um, that owner, Mike Brown, is like the woman from uh, Major League. <laughs> yes. And uh, so I, I, I don't think it's – I mean, I think it's nice. I don't know that it's going to be a difference. This is the Super Bowl. I, I think that those kind of little things are not what's important. I'll tell you the thing that scares me. Um, there is very little room for error. And if you look at the Bengals in the playoffs, they haven't played well in the first half. It's almost like they prepare for the they prepare for the adjustment, okay. if that makes sense, especially the last two weeks. Yeah. They really prepared for, okay, let's make some adjustments in the second half, play much better. They're going to have to play a full game. They're going to have to be better prepared in the first quarter, the first half of this game. And they have been in each of the three games leading up to this. They, now, the Bengals have been over to overcome those. We could argue in the conference championship, a lot of that was also the turnovers and how poorly the Chiefs played. But so I think that's going to be the most underrated. I think that if you say, well, who's sleeping in their own bed? Who's in a hotel? Um, that kind of thing. 
I would assume the Rams are going to be in some kind of a hotel. For the Rams time. are actually staying in the same team hotel they do during the season. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, they're going to have some, they're going to have some knowledge there. They're going to have some, it's going to feel like a regular day for them. But at the same time, I think that, I think it's all going to come into preparation. That's where I do think the Rams have a distinct advantage. Uh, Sean McVay is very much a, this is our game plan. This is what we're going to do. And he'll stick to it. And he got embarrassed the last time he was on this stage. Yeah. And he did, um, you know, he, he sometimes sticks to it to his own detriment. But I, I, well, I'm torn in this game. I do think that the Bengals are going to have to prepare better for the first half. That, that first Super Bowl that McVay and the Rams were a part of a few years ago, yeah. you think that they're thinking about that, you know, of you know, how they got embarrassing against New England and you know, Sean McVay, no. you know, was, was laughed at around the league for that coaching performance of just being outcoached from the jump by Bill Belichick. Do you think there's that's on anyone's minds there? It's probably in the back of Sean McVay's mind somewhere. But I think overall as a staff and as a team, probably not. A lot of those guys aren't there anymore. If you look at the major pieces for the Rams, they weren't on that team. They don't have a frame of reference for that. Yeah. And so I think that that's not really what they're thinking. Yeah, Cobb and Donald were pretty much the only major ones. Yeah, and if you look, I mean, like like Ramsey's over there now and – um, you know, in, in um, Stafford and Miller, Beckham. I mean, these are guys who this is their chance. This is their chance to get rings. I mean, Von Miller's already won a ring and been a Super Bowl MVP. But I mean, to get that ring, I mean, this is the kind of thing for Von Miller can, you know, you know, kind of ratify his Hall of Fame resume. Uh, for Matt Stafford, same thing. For Beckham, same thing. And for, for Odell Beckham to sign there and be the difference, a lot of what has been different about their offense lately, and then to get them to the Super Bowl here at the end, I think it helps his Hall of Fame case. I think there's a lot of guys whose legacies can be created and enhanced. Well, in the case in of Odell, team. too, the perception out there of him before he was traded, if he turns around and helps this team win a Super Bowl, then about everything that was negative about Odell Beckham that was talked about with the months, you know, prior to the trade and, you know, the cancer he was in the locker room and that nobody wanted him and such. I mean, that goes out the window essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be an indictment of instead what happened in Cleveland. It's going to be, Hey, this, the person is going to look bad to me, Baker Mayfield. It's going to be, Hey, maybe the hotel Stefanski. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe Beckham was right. I mean, he's played so well, and then coming there, been a model teammate, and everything else he's done. And yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think that it's going to help his case to get a big free agent contract too. Uh, a couple more things on this uh, injury front: both teams uh, dealing with uh, question marks around their starting tight ends for the Rams, Higby, for the Bengals, uh, Uzma. But uh, Uzma says he's good to go. Higby should be able to play, too. Um, both these tight ends are sneaky good and, and can be effective if, if used properly. And sneaky important. <laughs> um, Higby gets used less than Uzma, just in volume of carry, volume of catches. 
but he's really he is really important. He's a great two way player for them at the line of scrimmage and in going down the field to catch the ball. Uzma is important. He's the big damn target. Uzma, I, I'm not saying he is this player, but Uzma reminds me of Gronkowski. He's a big guy. He uses his hands. He's very hard to cover just because of his size and his ability. He's 6'7", like 265, 275, but he plays like a large man. And that's what like Gronkowski does better than anybody I've seen at that position, is to be able to play like a big guy, to get in space. Kelsey does that a lot. Kelsey's really good at that. Um, Uzma's even bigger. I mean, he's just he's a couple inches taller and just a large human being. Uh, he's a great target. He's got good hands. And he likes to play. He likes to get physical. So he's important in their offense as well. It's another dimension. It's another piece you have to cover when he's out there, uh, you know, getting in spots on the third downs and on, you know, you know, second and six, you try to convert something. You know, something else you've got to look at so that you can the, – the, the Bengals look at getting a bigger play on top of that, that kind of thing. Bo, uh, for the pick for this game, uh, I'm going to get a little cute with this. Um, and I'm, pro- I'm almost already regretting it before I say it. I have no reason to think this game will not be close. The entire playoffs have been this way, and both these teams have had some incredible games the last few weeks. I think the Rams are the better team. I think they will win. But four points for me is a, a little bit too much. I think this is – at most, a three-point ball game, one way or the other. Give me the Rams to win, the Bengals to cover. I'm taking the Bengals to win the game. Uh, so we're even now in the point standings, if you remember correctly, because I said if I took the Bengals on the money line against the Chiefs, that it was enough to catch them all up. So we're even now. Sure, sure. Um, I took the Bengals on the money line. So um, – I'll take the Bengals here. I think this is a really good game. I think it's close. I think it's something like 27-24. It comes down to a last kick or a, a last defensive stop one way or the other, something like that. Um, I would agree this is going to be closer than four. Now, if there's a blowout, if there's a you know 12-14 point spread in this game, it will definitely be the Rams winning the game. The Bengals haven't blown out anybody all year. No, the Bengals will not blow the Rams out. Just, they uh they beat the Ravens in December by 20. Yeah. And they beat the Steelers back in November by 31. But yeah. the Rams are all a lot better than those Ravens and Steelers teams. Yeah, this is gonna be the this is gonna be a tough game. This is this is gonna be an excellent Super Bowl. I think this is the best matchup of two teams we've had in a while. Two unconventional teams for this spot, too. Yeah, we're going to talk about on my podcast a little bit about this. And, and we talked a little bit about the guys we talked about on Friday about how the two teams were built so differently. Yes. That's the thing that, oh, that it shows us that you don't have to follow modern convention on how to build a team. The Rams are all in. I mean, they have given up their first, second, third round picks in 2022, 2023. They don't have a one or a two in 2024. They've given up everything in the future for this team right now. And it got them. It got them there. I mean, it's it's kind of like damn the torpedoes. We're just going to go and we're going to do everything we can to win right now. And 
it's gotten them there. They've got a chance. They, they are the favorite. I think they should be the favorite too. If I had to say who's a better team, I think it is the Rams. Um, I think that, yeah, just to me, it's fascinating because this has never worked. Yeah, it's never. never worked that a team with the free agents. Remember when the together. Eagles tried doing a super team? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only one you can argue that did work was last year's Bucks team. But even they had young players, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that were young, homegrown players. Right. Some of those, a couple of those receivers they have. Again, they were kind of younger, homegrown guys. You know, they did go and get, you know, Bryce Brady and Gronk and Indomitian Sue and Leonard Fournette. But this was an all-in effort. I mean, the Rams legitimately have, let me think here, five future Hall of Famers in the team? Mm-hmm. Six. Six. Stafford, Beckham, Jalen Ramsey, Donald. What's that? Aaron Donald, yep. Aaron Donald. Yeah, I, said, uh, I, didn't even, I didn't even include Cooper Cup in that yet. Um, Vaughn Miller and Andrew Whitworth. Yeah. That's another thing we're going to see. Bob, Whitworth finally makes the Super Bowl against his old team. Yeah. Uh, and, last thing on the Super Bowl, then we'll move on. Do the Bengals now deserve Joe Burrow? No. No, I tell you, until they build an indoor, until they build him an indoor facility, or until Mike Brown looks decent and respectable when he's accepting a trophy, did you see Mike Brown and what he looked like at Arrowhead? No, I turned it off right as it ended and went over I, to that NFC. You're a chief fan. I get that. Get a chance, go back and look, and he looks like he looks like Emperor Palpatine with a dad cap. I mean, it's just. Horrible. He doesn't look like he should own an NFL team. He's wearing a suit that he bought in 1985. Uh, it's no, the Bengals don't deserve Joe Burrow. It, we talked about how the Rams built their team. The Bengals built that team around Joe Burrow. He came in and changed the game. And they still don't deserve it. And they still don't deserve it. I we'll talk about this after the season, after the Super Bowl. I still think that there's a chance he's not there for the long run. Okay. I think if there's any one guy that would leave that team, I think it's him. Because I don't think he'll put up with Mike Brown being a cheapskate forever. I love his swagger and his attitude. And yeah. he's only going to get more power as he gets older. So. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that he's going to get more and more. If he wins this, they're going to have to listen to him. Yeah. Moving on. The uh, – Coaching positions have been filled, all nine openings. And this past week, Dennis Allen gets the Saints job. And out of nowhere, Lovey Smith ends up the head coach of the Texans. Let's start out with uh, Lovey. They wanted McCown, but you had the lawsuit with Brian Flores. And there's rumors that the league stepped in and said you can't hire Josh McCown. Yeah, I don't know if those rumors are true, but I can see it. Um. I have. I was listening to uh, Dominique Foxworth was on ESPN last week. This is right after the Brian Flores stuff happened, and he brought up a really good point. And he brought up David Cooley as an example of this. A lot of these, a lot of African American coaches are getting these jobs, and they're and Brian Flores is one in Miami, and now we're seeing with David Cooley getting fired in Houston, and they're being brought in as the stopgap. 
You know, it's that's the, what Lovey Smith is, and that's exactly what Lovey Smith is in this case. This was a go get somebody that everybody respects. Lovey Smith is universally respected, and let's see what happens. But this is not going to be a long term solution for the Houston Texans. I would be surprised if Lovey Smith's there more than two years, and I don't mean that as a knock on Lovey Smith in any way, shape, or form. I think he's a good coach. I think he's deserving of being a head coach in the NFL. I think he'll do a good job. But this is going to be a situation where in a couple of years, if the Texans have figured out what they're doing with the Deshaun Watson piece and they're starting to move their franchise forward, they're going to let Lovey Smith go, say thanks for helping us be the stopgap, and try to get somebody else in there. Go get a hotshot coordinator. That kind of thing. My favorite stopgap coach of all time is still Jim Tom Sula when he was in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, I can see that one. He was a total Rome, football guy. Romeo Cornell. Yeah, he would be up there. Romeo Cornell, because that dude is universally respected. There's a whole other ranking. That group. Lovey Smith's in that group of guys that's just universally respected, well liked. I mean, you just there's Wade, a ranking uh, we could do. We could rank the top uh, stopgap coaches. Yeah, I'd put Wade Phillips in there too. Yeah, um, let me think. We're not Barry putting Switzer. Urban Meyer in there. <laughs> Barry Switzer won a Super Bowl as a stopgap coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of different ways uh, you can go. There's a lot of ways to look at that one. <laughs> Yeah, but I think that uh, I think it is. I think it's uh, the Lovey Smith thing again. I think every Smith. Lions coach is a stopgap coach. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like how the you see on like the on social media right now, people in Detroit are happy because they've got Matt Stafford's in the Super Bowl and Eminem's doing the halftime show. It's the closest Detroit's going to ever get to having the Super Bowl. That's it. Um, speaking of stopgap coaches, uh, Dennis Allen gets the. <laughs> Saints job yeah. does not have a good track record when it comes to being a head coach. Granted, it was with the Raiders. Yeah. Did the Saints hire a stopgap coach or are they really all in with Dennis Allen? I think this was a continuation. Um, when Sean Payton was – Sean Payton quit. There's no other way to put it. He stepped aside. Um, if, the, if the Saints could have announced Dennis Allen as the head coach, they would have done it right then and there. This was not a surprise at all. I said on my podcast, each of the last two podcasts, that Dennis Allen was going to be the next coach of the Saints. Uh, they couldn't just announce it because there is a Rooney rule. They had to do the interviews for the Rooney rule. But um, this is a, trying to keep as much consistency from the Sean Payton regime as possible. He's going to keep Pete, Pete Carmichael as his offensive coordinator. He'll probably promote somebody as the D.C. Um, I think that Dennis Allen's worthy of doing this job. I think he's worthy based on he does have some experience with the Raiders, and he wasn't great. He was also – wasn't he the guy who had Jamarcus Russell as his quarterback? Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a handcuff there has been one. Um, and then at the same time, he's done a masterful job with the Saints defense. And with that Saints defense has become what was the weakness of the team even four or five years ago to be in the strength of the team. Their defense is light years ahead of their offense. And, and they're one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, I think they're very underrated in that way. But I think that this was this makes a lot of sense for New Orleans. 
I, uh, it's not sexy. It's not, you know, going to get the great new coordinator who will get you a lot of things. Saints are in a lot of trouble because of the salary cap right now. 75 million over. They're basically sitting there with Taysom Hill, a quarterback now. You know, there's some talk about bringing Jameis Winston back and trying to figure some things out. It, it this is going to be a, a bit of a bit of a disaster. And it's really going to be the Saints just trying to do anything they can to try to get into a playoff and see what would happen, how they did this year. But without Drew Brees, they still have still have to eat eleven more million in dead salary cap money on Drew Brees this year, right up in the season. It, it's going to be hard. That Sean Payton walked away because he didn't want to deal with the reclamation project. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely see that. Now, the three top candidates that did not end up with a job: okay. Brian Flores, Eric Bieniemy, Byron Leftwich. Yeah, they all have something in common. Yep. They sure do. They sure do. And if you listen to my podcast, you'll, I'll, I'll, I've talked about it already. These teams don't want black head coaches. You know, it's about who are you bringing in? I think the biggest problem we have in the NFL as far as the coaching situation is the Rooney rule, while I think well-intentioned, is almost unfair at this point uh, because it's not getting guys a legitimate look at some of these jobs. And at the same time, the biggest problem I think we've got is nepotism. I heard the line from Hugh Jackson of, you know, 101 years of the NFL, and we've had 19 black head coaches. And that's disgraceful. It is. And we haven't seen any real sensible change. And the Rooney rule is something that, if you look at it, has not been effective. And I get where the place where the Rooney rule is coming from. It's coming from a place of wanting to help people. I do understand that. And I think it's a great idea, but it's so ineffective. And it's, uh, I don't even know how to put this. It's, it's ineffective and it's, I mean, it's something where we are not seeing somebody go in here and wow people. I'll give you an example. The Saints just hired Dennis Allen. The Saints went and interviewed Eric Bieniemy. I think Brian Flores or Byron Leftwich was the other African American. They had to get interviewed too. Um, but you know they had to ask the same question to both those guys, and it was simply, "Well, are you willing to keep the coordinators we have?" Well, no. They want to bring in their own people, and that well, that's not going to be acceptable to the Saints. So of course the Saints are going to hire the guy that they want to hire in the first place. It's disingenuous. The rule itself and how it's been applied is very disingenuous. Uh, I think a bigger, a big problem we have here also is we have a problem with head coaches and, and really coaches at all levels, whether it's coordinator, coordinator and head coach. A lot of these, we have a lot of nepotism. You'll see a lot of these, you'll recognize some of these last names. Where is Nathaniel Hackett? You know, that's Paul Hackett's son. You know, Kyle Shanahan. You know, he has a job because of where, I mean, granted, Kyle Shanahan was a good offensive coordinator, but how do you get those jobs? Or got him because he's Shanahan's son. Ryan Schottenheimer got way too many chances. Ryan Schottenheimer, a classic example. A guy who's not a good head coach. I mean, not a good, not even a good coordinator, but he's a Shanahan. Or he's a, he's a Schottenheimer. We've seen that over and over with some of these guys. And I, I just don't think 
some of these guys, when you look at some of these hires, I'm, a, I'm a, Mike McDaniel. The Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel. They had Brian Flores, who I've, you and I have talked about for two years. We've said Brian Flores is the best head coach of any of Belichick's guys. And we were crazy. We went nuts when we saw that Brian Flores got fired. We're like, what are you doing? Well, now we know why. He didn't want to play with the system they wanted. You know, he, he was, it's ridiculous. They're, they're holding African-American coaches to a different standard, to unrealistic expectations, and saying, well, you have to be this, or you have to be, you know, you have to do what Mike Tomlin has done. And that's just not going to happen. I mean, you guys sit here and tell me that Matt Eberfluss was a better hire than Eric Bieniemy, than Byron Leftwich would have been for a young quarterback. They went and got a defensive guy. Everybody wanted the Bears to go get an offensive guy. Nathaniel Hackett got a job in Denver because, well, he's a Hackett, but then also the big thing, he's going to try to bring Aaron Rodgers. He's already brought a bunch of the staff from Green Bay with him. You know, I, we talked off the air about this. I think Doug Peterson's a good, good head coach. He obviously won a Super Bowl in Philly, but that's not a good hire for Jacksonville. Byron Leftwich was a home run hire. I've been calling for that since December. And again, just drops the ball. The Raiders hired Josh McDaniels. And it's like, okay, again, I think Josh McDaniels can be a good head coach if he learned from his problems and issues he had in Denver. I think when he, you know, left Denver, went back to Belichick, it probably helped him quite a bit. Maybe he's grown. He's a little older now. So it'll be interesting. But, man, Todd Bowles would have been a great fit there. Byron Leftwich would have been a great fit there. Eric Bieniemy would have been a great fit there. I, I just think that they're, these, these, hires, these hirings are very underwhelming. And the one I did think, you know, we had the issue with Flores and he didn't get the Giants job. Brian Dable's a good hire for the Giants. Frankly, I'm surprised Brian Dable took the Giants job because that's going to be a train wreck. And they're going to make him keep Daniel Jones a quarterback. See, I, I don't think so. I think they're going to try for try to make that Russell Wilson trade. And they got the assets to do it. I, I think that they're going to have Daniel Jones in 2022. And if that's the and if that's part of the problem. Or if that's one of the things that was said, well, then no wonder nobody else wanted that job. Uh, last thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do think they'll make a try to make a trade for Last for thing. We'll end on this. Yeah. Um, Auburn, what the hell is going on there? All right, so I don't have any, you know, concrete information on this. I saw a couple of things online that, and I'm sure they're the, basically the rumors being put into one place. And... Uh, <laughs> This is not a good look for Auburn or for the coach. You you want to what all supposedly going on? I don't know what you want to share, how you want to share your show. So, so with with Brian Harson, there have been rumors of an affair with a staffer, and you know they have not been, uh, you know, verified. They are rumors. Yeah. Um, it's very obvious that he's been losing assistants left and right, including. Derek Mason uh, at defensive coordinator to go to Oklahoma state for a $400,000 pay cut. And he also just lost his offensive coordinator who he just hired two months ago. 
and the list goes on and on. I mean, there's a lot of Players problems. In the portal and, and, you know, he, he wasn't the guy they wanted to begin with, and his recruiting class wasn't anything too flashy either. Yeah. And they're coming yeah, off I mean, the worst season they've had in forever. Yeah, they went, what, it was six and – it was five and six? Six and seven. Five and seven. Six and seven. Yeah, I mean, Auburn's going to <laughs> – Auburn wants an Auburn man. And they thought that maybe they had one with this hire. I don't know what they thought they were going to get. I don't think Auburn's made a good hire in a long, long time. Um, I, you know, there's, there's all these rumors going around. This is going to be – now Auburn's going to pay a bunch of money to investigate, you know, Harson and see what they can come up with so they can try to fire him for cause. And, and I heard the staffer thing, you know, it was it's a – Supposedly, someone who was on his staff at um, at Boise as well, and someone he's had some kind of an affair with, and then now that person's with him at Auburn. So this is an ongoing thing. I, it's not the biggest problem. It sounds like I mean that's kind of reaching. I think I think the biggest thing is that players don't want to play for him, coaches don't want to coach with him. They lost a you lot know, he's of the an intense kind of guy. Yeah, and he had lots of players going in the portal. Coaches don't want to coach with him. And if you have that kind of an issue in college football, that's just not going to work. The head coach does not have to be the heavy. The head coach has got to be the nice guy in many ways because you've got to be the one who draws people in. Yeah. for you. Yeah, that's going to hurt him in the long run. I, I do. Find I think it, Auburn has some buyer's remorse here, big time. I find it ironic that the first name that's been mentioned is Hugh Free, and yeah. if you're wanting to clean up your image of some sorts, I do find a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of irony in the idea of bringing Hugh yeah. Free. He has won a lot of games. The SEC loves to hire their own from within, so we'll yeah, see. And Hugh Freeze is going to be a head coach again. He's going to be a head coach in the SEC again. I, I would bet a dollar on that. He's, yeah, he's going to get a chance. He's done. He's done a good job at Liberty, but that yeah. was a, he knows what he's doing. He's, and I don't see them coach. getting Lane Kiffin. That would be a lateral move. Yeah, That's it would one. be right now. It would be a bad move for Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Did you see what Lane Kiffin's now calling himself? I saw. I can't remember though. The Portal King. The Portal King. Yeah, he did a, a, a Instagram post past weekend, like the was it Joe Exotic, you know, the Tiger King. Yeah, with the tiger. Well, it's got the tiger, but it has Kiffin's face over Joe Exotic's, and then it, his shirt or something says Portal King. Yeah. It, okay. It's not a good look. Lane Kiffin's trying way too hard to be funny. He needs to get some writers for his for his material. I like Lane, but that's a that's a reach. It is. Did that and get your popcorn ready, kind of stuff. He he's trying too hard. He, yeah, he needs some writers. He's Coach Bo. Check him out on the Coach Bo Knows podcast out every Monday and Friday on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Also check out O'Connor Advisory Group, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com as well. Bo, appreciate the time as always. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week, Tyler. Take care, bud. Couple more things before we wrap up today's show. Let's go ahead and get to our Big Twelve breakdown. And you look at the uh, Big 12 basketball standings, Kansas on top at eight and two. And we are just over halfway through conference play at this point as the Big 12 plays an 18 game schedule. And the 
Uh, Jayhawks have played 10 games, sitting at eight and two. Baylor, a half game back at eight and three. And uh, then kind of in the middle of the pack, it's all tight. Texas Tech at seven and four. Texas at seven and four. TCU at five and four. And then after that, Oklahoma, K-State, Oklahoma State are four and seven. West Virginia, three and seven. Iowa State, three and eight at this point. And the tournament is still a possibility for about eight teams in this conference. I don't think K-State has a real shot at this point. And Oklahoma has some work to do. But Iowa State, West Virginia, uh, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech, Baylor, and KU, almost all the bracketologists would say those seven teams would be in the tournament if the tournament started today at this point in time. So that's kind of the outlook where things are at right now. Now, let's go back to last Saturday, for example. Um, Kansas had a nice bounce back against Baylor after, you know, getting their asses handed to them against Kentucky a week prior. They deliver a 30-plus point win against Baylor. I was at that game. Good to see the Jayhawks play good and get that win and, you know, respond well. But then you fast forward later in the week, KU plays on Monday, loses a nail-biter to Texas, not a bad loss. And then Baylor on Wednesday night, granted they were playing K-State, it was not a great team, but they still went out on the road and won by 15 points against K-State. You beat anybody in the Big 12 on the road by 15 points, you're a damn good basketball team here. So with that being said, the top two teams in the league, Kansas and Baylor, within the last two weeks, have each been punched in the mouth, clearly. But their responses have been good. Kansas's case, after the Kentucky loss, Texas loss wasn't bad. You lost in the road. That's fine. Baylor's case, you get punched in the mouth by Kansas. Things didn't go your way. And then you turn around with an outstanding performance against K-State there. These are the top two teams in this league. They're playing good basketball. Um, for me, you could say the same thing about Kansas that you could say about Baylor, and that it's all about matchups when it comes to the tournament. Um, you know, both these teams have the talent to go to the Final Four, but one bad matchup and each of them could be out the first weekend. I mean, that's what it is. It is amazing to me. They are both Final Four quality teams but it would not shock me if either one was out of the first weekend. I know that's how the tournament can go, but just the, the making the makeup of both these teams with how on and off they are. That's what I'm looking at with both Baylor and Kansas. I can say the same thing about it wouldn't surprise me either way, Tom. Yeah, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't surprise me either. Um, <clears throat> in terms of, 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 how the big 12 finishes. I think it's, um, I think it's somewhat up in the air. I, I think, uh, you know, I don't, how many games are left? We're in the almost mid February. We're talking seven games left, eight, eight or seven or eight games left, depending on the team. Yeah. I mean, it could go. That's what's great about this though. Um, you know, I don't like it where it's already decided, right. That's no fun. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's good for the Big 12. I think it's good for – hell, it's good for TV um, when it's not decided because of, for so many years we knew by this time KU already had the Big 12 wrapped up. Right. Uh, you know, obviously KU fans enjoyed that. I, I, I would have. 
um you know it lessens the, the, the oh my gosh you know when you already have it wrapped up you're easy ride into the into the into the big dance so right well and i know that tech and texas are just a game and a half back but i do still feel like kansas and baylor have separated themselves just enough i think we are at a two-team race for the big 12 title at this point is that fair tom i think that's fair yeah and you know as you know i don't know who plays on on this upcoming monday or they Monday night, it's going to be a big Monday this week is Kansas and OSU on Valentine's Day. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, you know, I think I think you're probably right. It is, you know, the, the talent level, I feel like, you know, Tech has the ability and Texas has had their spurts. Um, but I think you're right about that. I think it's Baylor. Uh, I think it's Baylor and KU. Um, Jones also incoming. We we said that you know not straight too far away from basket. Well, big college ball, but uh, the Mavs tr- are trading uh, Porzingis to the Wizards for a package package centered on Spencer Dinwiddie. Okay. Hmm. Chris Tapps is out of Dallas. That was another experiment that just didn't work. That is very true. They and thought I think- they were getting something there, but it just didn't. It wasn't there. And now they're, you know, trying to keep Luca happy. Right. And Luca's already been known to be a little upset. So that's interesting. Um, but uh, back on the Big 12 side of things here. For Baylor's final stretch, here's what they're looking at. Texas this weekend. Texas Tech, TCU, OSU, Kansas, Texas, and then Iowa State. Kansas, their final stretch here, here's what they're looking at. Oklahoma. Oklahoma State, West Virginia, K-State, Baylor, TCU, TCU again, and then Texas. Kansas has a slightly easier schedule down the stretch, but this, this thing may come down to who wins the rematch in Waco. If Kansas wins the rematch in Waco and has both head-to-heads, I think there's a pretty good chance Kansas wins this title outright at that point. Yeah, I think so. When is that? When is that game? That's going to be February 26th on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's that might as well be the regular season Big 12 championship. Right. Yeah. Um, now, what what stood out to me this week, uh, among other things as well, in the conference on a Wednesday night, Oklahoma gets a big win over Texas Tech, 15 point win at home. Texas Tech, a top 10 team. Porter Mosier becomes the first coach in OU history in his first year to have four top 15 wins there at the University of Oklahoma. And you look at Oklahoma, we talk about Oklahoma as kind of the team right now that's really on the bubble, in or out, kind of changes day to day. Oklahoma finishes with Kansas, Texas, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and then West Virginia and K-State here. I mean, if they could find a way to win four or five of those games in that stretch, and they, they, they should if they take care of business, Oklahoma is in the tournament. But that, to me, is a team that is going to be very fascinating. When you look at the strength of the Big 12, if Oklahoma gets in, then uh, look out. I mean, that's uh, – that, to me, says a lot about the strength of this league. If Oklahoma can find a way, I think that's kind of your measuring stick uh, as far as that goes because they went through a lull. They went through a tough slump, losing seven out of eight. 
Now you have this win against Texas Tech. That could be the turning point in the season for OU. Yeah, and, you know, seven, eight games left. If they finish strong, then, uh, you know, that, that win says a lot. But then, you know, these next couple of games, you have to keep that momentum going. You talked about momentum early on in the show. You know, and if you don't believe in momentum, then you don't watch sports or you never played. Um, so I think that's, you know, you, you take these final seven, eight games and you build on that tech win. Right. Absolutely. Um, the, uh, the, the player of the year of the conference, you know, I, I know Cryer has played good at Baylor. Um, you know, he's, he's had a really good year. Uh, you know, you look at this, uh, this Texas team, you know, Allen has played good. Uh, Texas Tech, uh, you know, Shannon has been terrific this year. And, and John, uh, uh, John you lead all this up. It's OG Abaji, right? Oh, yeah. You knew what I was getting to. Yeah. You knew exactly. Well, I, I, I had to be, give let's, credit. Let's you know, be real. I mean, Williams, McClure, Shannon, you know, O'Banner. They got a four real, monster at Texas Tech. But there's been a lot of Abaji. Yeah, there's been a lot of good players in the Big 12 this year. But I, I did be a sham if it doesn't go to Abaji. I mean, Ochai, he has raised his stock up quite a bit, I think, in this draft. I think you're talking about him being a lottery talent now, and he was a borderline first-round pick going into this year. I mean, if the Thunder found a way to get Ochai, you know, get that instant offense of some sorts, I mean, I said this last week. I'll say it again. He's the best scorer I've ever seen at the University of Kansas in my lifetime. I mean, and there's been some great scores, but he has done it in ways that we haven't seen before. I, I'm I'm excited to see what Ochai does the rest of this year and then going on to the next level. He's a natural NBA fit. Oh, 100%. I mean, whoever gets him, you know, I, now is he going to be top three? No. Is he going to be top ten for sure? Uh, I mean, the Thunder will have a shot at him. As long, You know, obviously, if you don't take – you know, you're the, the already top three that we know, um, you know, but this, you know, this draft class as this, as this year has gone on, it feels like this a next upcoming class is a lot deeper than just those top three. Yeah. I, I think you and I are going to be fighting over Banchero. You know, I, I want to see him in Oklahoma I, City. You want to see him in San Antonio. We'll see what happens. You know, he's got to come home. I mean, you know, we had, we would have, you know, Spurs would have Primo. That's the Spanish word for cousin. And then, the, obviously, Banchero belongs in San Antonio. Right. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It should be fun uh, as we count down the days to the uh, draft there. Final segment before we go, our Tom Fogarty story of the week. Thomas, take it away. Where are we headed to this time? Jones, so we're doing a little bit of online. Uh, we're going a little bit online and, and – um, Whoever's listening, you know, most of you, I'm sure, have played Wordle. Uh, it's the game that's taken, you know, it's it's the next, I, I see it all the time put in the, the funny Instagram memes. It's the next chapter to the pandemic story, right? Yeah, uh, I haven't lost a game of Wordle yet. I hope not. You know, I see people saying, oh, you know, I suck at Wordle. I've, I've lost again. And I'm like, how? Listen, I've gotten multiple on the sixth try, but I've never outright lost. Um, by then, you should have enough letters knocked off to, to make a plausible word out of it and to get it right. I mean, yeah, if, if you can't play Wordle, don't waste your time ever going on Wheel of Fortune. Right, yeah, no. I mean, I feel like, too, if you're really good at Wordle, if you can get in the first three tries consistently, 
um, then I think you got a real shot. You know, it really depends on what word you choose first. You could get lucky and, you know, get three letters on the first one, and then, boom, you definitely got it in, like, three tries. There was one time I did get lucky, Tom, and I did get it right on the very first try. Really? What word? I can't even remember what it was now, but I did. Yeah, you can't you can't beat that. I think I put in – I forget what it was. I got it on two one time after I got like four letters right on the first one or maybe three. I should have bought a lottery ticket that day when I hit it on the first try. You should have. And, and Jones, you know, it's, it's obviously everyone has access to a smartphone now. Everyone has access to the internet. There's, there's a way to play Wordle every day if you want, um, you know, and Wordle took the world or at least the United States by storm. Um, and everybody's been playing it. Everybody's been talking about it, how the New York Times bought it. Well, Jones, it's not just about getting it right in six tries. Try ending a 17-hour hostage situation. Um, this comes from BBC.com. A missing game of Wordle helps end a 17-hour hostage ordeal. A Chicago grandmother was rescued from a 17-hour hostage ordeal after police were alerted for the unlikeliness of reasons, a missing solution to the day's Wordle challenge. Denise Holt, 80, was alone at home in Illinois on f- the 5th of February when a naked... Why do all... I didn't even see... This is the first time I'm reading it. I, I saw that article and I want to have a reaction to it. That's kind of the new thing we're doing here because this is a live reaction. Why is it always a naked man? But it's God. not a naked man. It's a naked man. Yeah, and... Denise Holt, 80, alone at home in Illinois, um, you know, 5th of February, this is a couple days ago, um, when a naked and mentally ill suspect entered her home, her daughter in Faraway, I guess they wanted to say far away, that's an edit BBC, her daughter in Faraway, Seattle, noticed something was amiss when Miss Holt failed to send her daily wordle. The suspect now faces several felony charges. According to Miss Holt, she was asleep in bed in Chicago's Lincolnwood area when 32-year-old James H. Davis III entered her home and pointed a <laughs> gets better. There's no shortage of guns in Chicago. Uh, instead of pointing a gun, this man pointed a pair of scissors at her. He was naked and bleeding after being cut by window shards while entering the home. I didn't think I was going to live, she told CBS. I was in shock. I was trying to survive. While Mr. Davis told her he wouldn't harm her, he did force her, still wearing a nightgown, to take a warm bath with him while, before taking two knives from the kitchen, disconnecting phones, and locking her in a cold basement bathroom. According to Across the Country in Seattle, Ms. Holt's daughter, Meredith Holt, called away soon, noticed that her mother was not responding to text messages and hadn't sent in her wordle, a popular daily word puzzle, that was disconcerting to her, Miss Holt said, because my daughter knew that this was a routine she never missed. Alarmed, Miss Holt Caldwell alerted police who conducted a well-being check at her home on, on February 6th. The standoff with Mr. Davis ensued, ending only when a police SWAT team used a stun gun to subdue him and take him into custody. Police said that Mr. Davis now faces a range of felony charges, including home invasion with a deadly weapon, aggregated kidnapping, an assault against a peace officer, a term that includes police and probation officers, prison guards, and other law enforcement officials. Ms. Holt was unharmed during the incident. I never thought in a million years this is what was happening, but it was, she said. I'm very lucky. 
Wordle, which was purchased by the New York Times for an undisclosed seven-figure sum in January, gives players six attempts to guess a hidden five-letter word each day. We know what Wordle is. Uh, Jones' craziness. Um, this man had to be severely mentally ill. And it's, you know, Tom Fullery. We do Tom Fulleries that are funny. We do Tom Fulleries like last week that are just bad crazy, invoking Dale Earnhardt Sr., driving the wrong way. Down the highway. Praise Dale, uh, praise Dale. Yeah. You know, we do funny ones. We do serious ones. We do batch crazy ones. This is under the – this is just crazy, right? Like Wordle, you know, I, I like Wordle. I play it. I, I don't play it on the weekdays, to be honest. I've, you know, when I get to work in the morning or if I'm working from home before my meetings, I'll fire it up. And everybody at work before our first meeting of the day, everybody at work plays Wordle right before the meeting and then we all discuss how many tries it took us that's just um that's how i found out about wordle they were like oh what did you guys get the wordle today and da, da, da. and i was like what are you guys playing and then i got hooked and i guess there's a math wordle where you solve a math problem no thanks i'm good on that um and there's different other versions of wordle whatever but jones this is pretty crazy you're in you know this is one of those things it's kind of a cool story only because this lady didn't get hurt or murdered right. or raped or any of that. This guy breaks in and Wordle has united us in ways that, you know, could save your life. Um, well, what it makes me think about, Tom, too, is we hear so much, especially from the older crowd, how technology is ruining our, our lives and, you know, all the, the negative things, whatever. And at the end of the day, it's technology here that that saves the day, that makes the difference, that is, you know, something good comes out of it. You know, I mean, we've all I'm sure all of us have been annoyed, you know, checking Twitter and Facebook and everybody's posting their world scores that nobody cares about and such. But I mean, to see this type of thing, I mean, that's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we have something positive to talk about of technology being used for a good thing. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, you mentioned the older people, you know, that are that are now getting into it. I don't like to call my dad old. He's 58, but uh, he just got an iPhone and he's he actually called me the other day because I my Spotify didn't update my card. And my Spotify went out for like a couple of days until I updated my card. Um, and he would he always listens at night and hangs out. You've been in my garage at, in Bartlesville. It's like a man cave. He'll go out there at night and hang out and listen to music and just chill, start a fire, drink a couple beers. Um, and he, he calls me and goes, what the hell? And I go, what what do you what do you want? Uh, you know, like, what what's going on? And he goes, there's ads on my Spotify. I, I pay we, I pay for a duo Spotify for my dad because it's only a couple more dollars a month than my mom that he then uses Apple Music. Um, but, you know, it's funny how technology can do that uh, because – you know, this is a way for her daughter that lives in Seattle, um, you know, halfway across the country from her mom. They have a thing going every day where they send and talk about Wordle, uh, you know, unlucky for her, a mentally ill man broke in her house and kidnapped, kidnapped her in her own house. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for Wordle or the relationship with kind of having that bond over something, even so far away, uh, you know, God knows what could happen to say to year old lady. Right. Yeah. Now, now it sounds like we're doing, you know, a, a piece 
to promote Wordle for New York Times. We're not. Um, but yeah, it's pretty tomfoolery that, you know, Wordle is this thing that, that people are, you know, acting a fool about. And then to, you know, have the capability for the daughter to call and do a welfare check. I'm sure she didn't think of a naked man, uh, you know, held her mom hostage with a pair of scissors and uh, took her down to a basement. I'm sure she probably, honestly, I don't know what we, obviously the, the worst thing you could think of is her mom died in her sleep or she fell and broke a hip and can't get to a phone and hasn't heard from her mom all day. Right. So pretty crazy, pretty Tom Fuller. He sounds like the guy, you know, if you get a home invasion, like breaking and entering, deadly weapon, aggravated kidnapping, an assault against a police officer. Uh, this guy is definitely going to prison. He won't be playing Wordle. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. That's a great story. That's a, a good way to end today's show. And uh, we appreciate you, the listener, for stopping by and joining us here on the Jones Report this week. As always, Subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. We are hitting the road next week for the best week ever. I'll uh, be making a stop in Nashville first on a Monday and Tuesday. And then we'll make our way out to Daytona Beach for the Daytona 500. This show and uh, Let's Go Racing with uh, David Starr will also be in Daytona Beach. Uh, Tom is staying back. We, we offered him the chance to go. Unfortunately. But, uh, he has decided to stay back. This time, though, it's not because of a, 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 a woman or anything like he did the last time when he skipped out in Daytona, who's not seeing anymore. Um, but, uh, but, but, Tom, you, you're going to miss out. I, I know it's, it's going to be Valentine's Day on Monday, but that's not why you're missing, though. Right now, and God bless uh, that I'm not. Um, you know, you know, for what, you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta be at the office. You know, I can work from, from anywhere. I can work remotely. Uh, but it's, it's one of those times where it's uh, crazy times at the office. So, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's uh, this week, actually, I've been in the office every day. Um, and it's one of those things where you got to get stuff done at the office. And, uh, I, I guess I've had my run of fun and, I, when I say that, I'm talking about going to Tampa Bay uh, for shenanigans and then flying back with no sleep to be at work on Monday morning after the flight. So I've had my craziness, I guess. And I know if I was in Daytona, I would probably be the first guy in the RV playing beer pong with the rest of the locals. You know, Valentine's Day, by the way, is so overrated. I mean, you know, it's it's Singles Awareness Day as far as I'm concerned. You know, I, I'm going to be... I'll be in Nashville Valentine's Day, and I feel like that's gonna that that could be a good night for me as a single man. You know, it might be. You know, I you know I you, you obviously know Blake and Sam, who I live with currently. They're a married couple, and they before that they dated on and off, however long. Um, they never celebrated uh, Valentine's Day, and actually, they both hate it, so they don't even acknowledge it. Okay, I respect um, that. There, there are some people out there, you know, that that have a significant other that just despise it it's uh it's one of those holidays it's it's um it's for the uh mass corporations to make money off of right 
It means not. It's just a scam by Hallmark to sell cards. Exactly. That's the reason they're still in business. Yes. So, uh, so we'll see you next week uh, as we're on the road. We're gonna stop by and see some friends along the way, and bring be bringing you a big show next week. And uh, so look forward to that. And we'll have hopefully. updates on uh, social media, Facebook.com. Yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Oh, hopefully talking about a Rams Super Bowl victory. Yes. Yes. Hopefully so. For your have a Super Bowl recap, and I'll either be happy or sad. One way or the other. Uh, so we'll we'll have that and our coverage from Daytona, all that coming up next week. Uh, make sure to uh, follow us on uh, social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones live, facebook.com forward slash studio underscore soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones live at Thomas underscore bridges at studio underscore soapbox and uh, Instagram Tyler Jones live uh, Jones underscore report instant Thomas. You can find us there. And uh, we'll see you back here next week. Uh, we'll be here, have a show out coming up on Thursday. Let's go racing. Uh, that show, by the way, is going to have uh, a variety of episodes, special editions throughout the next few days. Uh, a, a show on Friday and then Thursday and Saturday of next week from Daytona. So that's the show schedule there. And then uh, we'll have, uh, of course, Raw Tools with Luke Slaybaugh and Coach Bo Knows show and Bevo Boys, all those guys will be on their normal schedules on the Studio Soapbox Network. So make sure to check us out. Also, real quick, too, we did a little graphics change. And if you just look up Studio Soapbox on your podcast provider and you see our little yellow logo, it's on all of our shows on the logos now. So if you're looking for a Studio Soapbox show, that's the easiest way to find it. Either just type in Studio Soapbox, you're going to find the entire network or see a show with that little yellow logo on it on uh, on the podcast page, then you'll know that's one of our shows within the network. So uh, very easy to find. So check us out there. Got to run. Big thanks to Zach Fisher, Coach Bo, for stopping by as well. And you, the listener, appreciate you joining us. We'll see you next week from Daytona. For, Th- for Thomas Bridges, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. We'll see you next week.